Good evening, good evening. Sound is okay? I turned it down a little bit. It's so good. Sound good? Sound is good. We ain't boomering up the audio too badly tonight. Steph in the house. You are absolutely correct. We will be starting for a second. And don't forget to bring your estrogen-laced questions as we go further spelunking into the snug harbor known as modern femininity, the landmine of beauty, velvet, and state violence known as modern femininity. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, let's just do a little chit-chat before we get started, right? Shall we? Just while we wait for the room to fill. I think that would be fine. Let's, uh... Oh, you guys aren't even seeing the glorious beauty of my baldness. There we go. There we go. Well, hello. 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 <laughs> hello. Agar! How are you guys doing this evening? What's new? Uh, just in case we have a slightly different crowd. Different from last time? Is this about feminine desire or desire for women? Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? And uh, yes, hello to everyone in the open-air prison of Ontario where it's now illegal to leave your home. Yeah, isn't it delightful? Isn't it lovely? Someone gave away 100 grand of Bitcoin last Thursday. Well, it's... Uh, a little bit less than a hundred grand now, I would suppose. What is our itty bitty coins at today? Seventy-one three fifty-eight Canadian. I feel like I, you know, I was in an abusive relationship with Bitcoin for quite quite some years. Up down, and now that it's stabilized in the low to mid seventies, um, I can see why people pursue abusive relationships. Because like this is boring. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But I can see I can see why people do it. That's all I'm. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Can you, give a, can you cover BitClout a little at the end, maybe? Tell me a little bit more uh, about what you want me to cover. I can just tell you guys, you know, I mean, my um, the crack I have to stay away from is the George Floyd trial. Have you guys been, have you guys, you know, just between us girls before we start, uh, have you been, uh, uh, have you been following this uh, George Floyd, Derek Chauvin trial? <sighs> my God. My God, it's wild. You have you have people being called by the prosecution that are actually so bad for the prosecution's case and so beneficial for the defense's case that the defense has now <laughs> signaled that they want to call some of the prosecution's witnesses to, to so shore up the case uh, against Derek Ch- uh, to shore up the defense of Derek Chauvin. It's just wild. And and the big new thing I, we'll talk about this just before we start, right? But the big new thing is that. Um, so it looks like the guy who was in the car, I mean, he's pleaded the fifth, right? The guy, so uh, George Floyd and his girlfriend were in a car. This other guy was in there. He's pleaded the fifth, and it looks like he uh, did that from jail, according to what the prosecution is saying. And the theory is that he may have been the guy who sold the drugs that might have killed, well, probably did kill George Floyd, right? Because George Floyd had three times the, um, the fatal dose of fentanyl in his system, right? And at one point, at least it seems to me pretty clear, and they played this in the trial today, I think it was, at one point you can hear George Floyd screaming, I ate too many drugs. Like he's saying, what's the matter? What's wrong? I ate too many drugs. So it could have been that, uh, you know, he ate the drugs to cover up uh, the, the criminality uh, that, that was going on. And, uh, and the other thing, too... Um, 
one, one of the reasons that George Floyd didn't get the medical care that he needed when the paramedics arrived is because the paramedics were terrified of the mob that was screaming epithets and curses and, and being very aggressive. So they, they were not in a situation where they could have really given him the medical care that maybe would have changed the outcome, probably not likely, but maybe. They couldn't do that because the crowd was too violent and too dangerous. And so, I mean, it's kind of ironic when you think about it. You have a... Uh, a black drug dealer who appears to have given the drugs that might have killed or probably did kill George Floyd. Uh, you have uh, George Floyd himself resisting arrest like crazy. So you got a black drug dealer, I think. You got black George, Fro uh, George Floyd. You have um, an angry black crowd, or mostly black crowd, threatening the officers and the paramedics. And this is another reason why they had to restrain him. They had to restrain George Floyd because of the violence of the crowd. So, you know, the, the chain of could be something like, you know, um, a black guy in a car with a black drug dealer uh, gets drugs and uh, then resists arrest, black guy. Uh, there's a black, cloud a black uh, crowd threatening the officers and the paramedics so the black guy can't get the uh, medical help that he needs to stay alive. And all of this is the fault of a 140-pound white guy. Well, you know, they'll get their riots, right? They'll get their riots. And, you know, it's really tragic. I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible business model. It's an amoral, sociopathic, predatory business model where you say, well, more riots mean more eyeballs, mean more, means more money. I mean, talk about selling your soul to the devil for cold, hard cash. That's your 30 pieces of silver right there. And Trump, of course, is accused of inciting riots by saying to people, go make your voices heard peacefully at the Capitol. You know, all of these media outlets that referred to Chauvin and the others as, you know, straight-up murderers. They just murdered a black man. They strangled a black man to death. They killed a black man. Uh, I mean, straight-up incitement to riots in any sane legal system, they'd be responsible for the property damage. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. And I would recommend Cheryl Atkinson's got a new book out called um, Slanted. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. As far as unpacking, I'm getting the, um, well, it's a funny thing. Somebody's saying the comments on the news articles posted about the trial of proof. We are dealing with two entirely different sets of facts. It's insane. So, excuse my French here. How the fuck are we supposed to live together if two people looking at the same fucking video come to completely opposite conclusions? It's like the, the Charlottesville thing, right? Where Trump says, uh, the neo-Nazis should be condemned totally, and people are like, he's pro-neo-Nazi. Like, the, 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 what they played at the impeachment trial, like the actual recording of what Trump said, people come completely opposite. And so this is the wild thing about history. It's a wild thing about history. So I was very keen to get into my university because I had been working for a year and a half off and on up north, dangerous manual labor, physical labor, and uh, pretty wild. I'm glad I did it. But, man, I was really glad to get back into a university. And I was very keen. And I was peppering the uh, my, my very first class in history, Canadian history. I was peppering the professor with questions. Very Because I'm like, hey, man, I, I worked hard. I, I, I worked hard to get the money to come here. I'm going to make very much the best and the most out of this situation. And after a couple of minutes the professor turned and hurled her glasses at me. I kid you not. She turned and she hurled her glasses at me. Now, I've got some pretty good reflexes. It's a high IQ thing, right? you got pretty good reflexes. 
and I caught the glasses. And I immediately knew what she was up to, right? She threw her glasses at me full, like, and I caught them, right? And then she turned to the class and she said, what just happened? And you wouldn't believe the answers. It was a pretty small class. It was a pretty small college. It was um, Glendon College, part of York University. And you wouldn't believe the answers. The answers were, well, nothing happened. You threw a cup at him. He threw his glasses at you. Who threw a mug at you? You pretended to throw something. He pretended to catch it. Like, the answers were all over the place. And she said, so here's your difficulty with history. You guys were all in the room watching when something happened. You cannot agree on what happened. And you were all in the room directly observing what happened. You cannot agree on what happened. And you were right here. Now, there was no video replay or anything, but you were right here. Now, that's one of the things that really helped propel me into the study of epistemology. Like when you sit in a room of 40 people and you get 40 different answers as to what just happened with people who are in the room watching, uh, you better start to figure out what is true and what is false. How do you know what is true and what is false? There's a great old Alan Parsons song. How can you be so sure? And I, when he sang, it's a, it's, a, it's a good song about the, you know, why would you build anything if it's just going to erase itself over time? But that line where the singer sings, how can you be so sure? And it's like, yeah, how can you be so sure? When you grow up with people like I did, you grow up with people who are both elementally certain and elementally wrong. It's pretty wild. So here you have a situation where there's multi-angle video of the death of George Floyd. There's, mul- there's video from each of the cameras on the people. There, there's, there's video from the street. There's tons of dozens of people. With their, you got multi-angle video of the same event. You have science, like you have the government's own medical examiner saying, wasn't asphyxiation, wasn't strangulation. Now, they're distancing themselves from that, the prosecution, and they're bringing in all these other experts who are like, well, you know, you can't get asphyxiation without any, res- without any damage or any evidence, <laughs> right? How the fuck are we supposed to get along when we got multi-angle footage of the same thing and people can't even come remotely close to agreeing on what the hell happened? <laughs> God. It's, it's an astonishing exercise in epistemology. You have multi-angle High fidelity, 60 frames a second, audio, video, footage of one thing. And people are drawing the exact opposite conclusions from it. Based upon ideology. This is why we can't get along. This is why ideology has erased our capacity to get along. Only philosophy can unite us. Ideology divides us. Ideology is conclusion backed up by a priori reasoning. Quote reasoning, right? Ideology is, well, here's what I want to get to. Here's what I want to get to. What are the steps I need to take? What mental gymnastics do I need to take to get there? A philosophy is you start with the blank slate and you reason from first principles. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's much worse than what happened. I mean, obviously much worse morally, but much worse than what happened with me those 30-odd years ago in a university classroom where the teacher threw the glasses and nobody knew what the hell happened. <laughs> Somebody says, I'm a total chauvinist. Oh, reasonable doubt? Oh, my God. Of course it's reasonable doubt. I mean, that, that there can be absolutely no question at all. Based on the law, it's... T- I mean, listen, 
They can't even figure out how he died. I mean, the government is rejecting the medical examiner's report. The government is actually rejecting their own medical examiner's report, which is stuff I talked about last year, right? It's crazy. We have enabled the mature tag on your channel due to political content. For more information, please see. Hey, nice to know that DLive is watching. So, yeah, of course, I mean, they can't even figure out. They can't even figure out how George Floyd died. I mean, that's reasonable doubt right there. It's reasonable doubt right there. Anyway. So, let's, uh, uh, I'll take a couple of cues, if you like, and... We'll then get into the uh, uh, we will get into uh, the questions about uh, about the ladies. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the rioting is the rioting is going to happen. So, I mean, the only reason that reasonable doubt would not be achieved is people are afraid of the rioting, and of course, the fact that they they had to have the trial or they felt they had to have the trial in Minnesota means it's, you know, come on. So, let's see here. There are no good or bad people in history, just human nature. <laughs> Try not to be so open-minded that your brain falls out. There's no good, there's no bad. Okay, so there's no good or bad people in history. Just human nature. That's something that sounds deep or sounds open and tolerant, but is absolutely intellectually vapid and empty. Human nature doesn't answer anything. If I said, uh, you know, 15th century, I said, um, why is there gravity? And you said, it's, it's the nature of the universe. It's, it's just the nature of the universe. <laughs> what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to say human nature human nature give me a break what is what is human nature if my daughter had been born in an islamic country she would have been raised muslim and she would have an entirely different set of beliefs if my daughter had been uh, beaten if my daughter had undergone female circumcision or something like that she would have an entirely different relationship to reality her body facts truth what what is her human nature exactly human nature is adaptable that that's all we are is adaptable. And we know that. We know that for sure. Because people raised, in particular, intellectual and moral and spiritual, philosophical or anti-philosophical environments tend to conform to those environments. So saying that we're human nature is like talking about the shape of water. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. What is the shape of water? Well, it's whatever you pour it into. What is human nature? Whatever ideology has the most influence and power growing up. Is it human nature to be communist or anti-communist? Depends. Is it my human nature to be rational and philosophical? It depends upon the environment. If I had never encountered rational philosophies, I probably wouldn't. I'm not going to invent the whole thing ground up, right? 
and the erasure of good or bad, uh, I would tell you exactly why you're doing this if you want to know. I, mean, I, I say this with concern for your soul, so to speak, right? Why is it that you would want to erase the distinction between good and bad? Hmm? Why is it that you would want to erase the distinction between good and bad? So you can't be judged as bad. And the reason why you want to erase that distinction between good and bad is because you're already judging yourself as bad and you don't want anyone else to find out. Right? So if you're a counterfeiter, tying in the George Floyd thing, so if you're a counterfeiter, you don't want there to be any machines that differentiate between sound and counterfeit money. Why? Because you already know your money's counterfeit. So you want to get rid of the distinction. There's no such thing as real or counterfeit money. You're just saying you're a counterfeiter and you want to be able to get away with it. That's all. So you want to erase the distinctions between good and evil because you view yourself as immoral and you don't want to be caught. Right? Why does, why does the bank robber cover up or shoot at the camera? Because he doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want an accurate recording of what he's doing. And you don't want people to have an accurate recording or perception of good and evil because you already believe that you are immoral. And that's why you want to erase the distinction so that you can cover up your crime. Somebody who wants to rob a place will shoot out the lights so that he can't be seen. And I can get that, of course, from just a sentence and a half because it's very clear. It's very clear. And, and this is the kind of stuff, like for my listeners out there, and listen, maybe you're not a bad guy. Maybe you were just told you're a bad guy. Maybe you think there's something cool about being bad or you're edgy or difficult or whatever it is. I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't know. doesn't really matter. But uh, you may not be as bad as you think. And bad ain't cool. Bad ain't cool. Bad is, bad is, a, um, bad is a drug, right? So bad is a drug. Evil is a drug. And when you're young... It's the tortoise in the hair. When you're young, you want results quickly. Right? You want to be happy quickly. You want to have power. You want to have prestige. You want to have money. You want to have girls. You want, all, you want to have these things quickly. And the best way to do it is to holly yourself out and manipulate others. Right? And to, to, to be a spiritual con man rather than actually build value. The slow and steady stuff wins the race in terms of happiness. And I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm going to be 55 this year. And 55, when I was a kid, there was Freedom 55 was on the commercials. And Freedom 55 was, you know, if you work things just right, you can retire at the age of 55. So 55 is like the start of getting old. Now I know I don't feel old and, and I, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, you know, I, I bought a couple of video games. I was going to live stream uh, Bioshock because I had a bunch of people recommending it and, and saying I should talk about the philosophy of Bioshock. I got to tell you guys, it's like, okay, but I maybe only have 30 years left on the planet if I'm lucky and, and eat my uh, Wheaties. But um, I really don't feel like I have a whole bunch of time to waste on a video game. Now, I play Among Us because my daughter enjoys it. And it's fun to, to do that. But uh, running, out of, uh, running out of time. So, so this sort of elevated post-half-century thing half century plus half a decade, it's going to be 55, right? I've seen what happens. You know, the people who, you know, somebody who, who deprograms themselves and works hard to, to sink their soul into some deep soil of empirical facts and reason and evidence, confronts themselves and steers clears of lies and liars. Those people, it's, it's tough, right? It's tough. And you feel like you're 
uh, a long way behind for most of the time, right? You feel like you're not even close to catching up. But the people who get ahead quickly, uh, the people who, you know, they uh, really work hard and do the wrong things and suck up and lose their soul in money, they look like they're doing really well. They look like they're doing really well. Like, like you know, everybody knew this guy when you were younger, right? This guy when you were younger who had the really hot girlfriend, right? Really hot girlfriend. And you envied him because he had the really hot girlfriend. Turns out she was insane, right? And he was miserable. And she was high maintenance. And on the hot crazy matrix, she was somewhere around Uranus. So the envy, right? The envy. The second half of life is where the bill comes due, right? The second half of life is where the bill comes due. You know, like the people who don't care of themselves. They don't, sorry, they don't take care of themselves. They don't exercise. They don't eat particularly well. They, they just don't, you know, don't, don't go to the dentist, don't go to the doctor. They just don't take care of themselves. Okay, well, you can coast on youthful energy and enthusiasm for quite a long time. But... The second half of life is where the bill comes to you. It's where people get their joint pains, they get their arthritis, they get uh, skin conditions, they uh, joint pain and back pain. And, I mean, that's where the bill comes to you. I mean, I think about the tens of thousands of ungodly boring hours I've spent in the gym exercising. And I'm not like a big buff guy, but, you know, I want to stay attractive for my wife. I want to stay fit and healthy for the cause of philosophy and my daughter because I'm an older dad, so I have a responsibility to, to stay healthy. I recently cut, me, cut my caffeine intake by 75%. So it's the same thing with morality. The people who exploit others sexually, romantically, financially, um, people who take drugs, who drink too much, who are successful and positive and peppy, and right, they all look great when they're younger, and it's something to envy because it looks like they're getting away with something. But they're not. They're not. Like... When I was in high school, two, two of the, were not even kids really, two of the teenagers in high school, their father was, I think, head of the Toronto Stock Exchange, an immensely rich guy. I went over to that place a couple of times. We were in the same theater class together, and I wrote a play for everyone. And, I mean, the house just went on and on and on and on and on. They got, like, sports cars for their 16th birthday and so on, and, you know, kind of something to envy. Now, I have no idea what happened to those guys, but for the most part, the kids who get that kind of stuff, it doesn't go, doesn't go very well. So for you, you know, you want to erase good and evil because you've already judged yourself as immoral and you don't want to get caught. Uh, there's time to fix it, I'm sure. There's time to fix it, for sure. Uh, somebody said, you were a trailblazer with Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown cases, reeling media lies and bias. I'd love another video about George Floyd. Yeah, I've, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Uh, it's, it's not human nature to murder innocent people, i.e. Nazis, commies, etc. No, that's right. I mean, so there's an in-group preference, uh, there's out-group hostility, but people have to be really trained and propagandized to hate. You have to be really trained and propagandized to hate. Uh, it doesn't come naturally to us. And this is why, you know, in the Second World War, the vast majority of soldiers never shot their guns. 
because they just couldn't take another human life. And what they did, and this is one of the reasons they switched to a volunteer army post-Second World War, particularly with Vietnam, of course, what they did was they brutalized and trained people into inhumanity by breaking down their spirit with this screaming sergeant major stuff that you see in Full Metal Jacket and so on. So they really broke down people's personality cult style and built them up to be cold-blooded killers. And it was that process of creating this inhuman killing monster that wasn't really necessary or, or wasn't really done in the Second World War. Uh, it's one of the reasons why so much personality destruction flowed out of Vietnam. It wasn't just, oh, you know, the war, nobody really knows what's going on. And, and, and there, was, there was that for sure, but uh, it really had to do with the fact that they had to turn ordinary human beings who love their kids and take care of their pets and bring soup to their neighbors, they had to turn those kinds of people into cold-blooded killers because that's what they were facing from the North, right? And it was that process of the destruction of the personality that produced the multi-decade drugs and alcoholism that tended to plague the... I mean, it plagued the Vietnam vets. It didn't plague as much, as much, though some. It didn't plague as much the Second World War. People say, oh, well, it was a just war and so on. It's like, yeah, maybe it was, although the West uh, lost the Second World War. So, uh, But no, it mostly had to do with the conscious reprogramming of people breaking down a personality it was murder cult indoctrination in vietnam and this is one of the reasons why people had such a tough time living with it afterwards um how do you politely ask a woman you love to lose weight asking for a friend well uh i have to check this with myself as well so it, it comes down to motivation why do you want the woman to lose weight um, you love and you care the woman and you want her to, to, for the woman, and you want her to be around for a long time, right? You want, you want the woman to be around for a long time, and you want her to be healthy, you want her to be happy, and if you come from it from that standpoint, um, that's pretty good. Now, as far as losing weight goes, man, there's a real tipping point, I tell you. There's a real tipping point, and the tipping point is this, that most people... They gain some weight, and they're like, oh, I should lose some weight, right? I gained 10 pounds. I gained 15 pounds. My, my belt's a little tight, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some weight, right? Exercise more, eat a little less or whatever, right? There's a tipping point, though, when you get so overweight that losing weight becomes, to me at least, and I think st statistically, too, it becomes functionally impossible. Function and it's not just when you age, although that's certainly part of it. But it's because your skin has stretched out from the, over, from the overweight, from the obesity. Your skin has stretched out to the point where if you lose weight, there's just this potato sack hanging off your body. I mean, I did know someone who, who lost weight uh, and worked very hard to lose a lot of weight. And she was so bitter and so disappointed and so angry and so upset because she had these folds of skin hanging from her body. And... I mean, I guess you could. You can also pay to have all that stuff sliced off, and then you just end up with a lot of scars. And that's not covered by uh, most health insurance. So, uh, if I don't know, you know, and and you know the statistics that I can think of the people who try to lose weight, more than ninety-five percent of them gain it back, and more, and or more. Um, afterwards, because you know when you when you try to lose weight, your body goes into starvation mode. 
And then if you start to eat again more, your body piles on the pounds in a way it wasn't even doing before because it's in starvation mode. So this is one of the reasons why people drop 10 pounds and gain 20 and then drop 20 and gain 40. And it's really, really tough. The only way, and, you know, I'm no nutritional expert or I'm just talking about my personal experience. I mean, I did drop, I don't know, 25 or 30 pounds about eight or nine years ago. And I've kept them off. And the only way to do it, the only way to do it is you have to change your life and never go back. Never, ever, ever go back. You just have to change your life and never go back. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I used to be a guy. I'd have like a Mr. Big bar and a orange after dinner a couple of times a week, sometimes five, six times. And you just have to, okay, the last time I ate a whole candy bar, like a full-sized candy bar, was probably about eight or nine years ago. I mean, I'll have a little bite of chocolate. My daughter's got a little chocolate somewhere. She loves making these little desserts, so I'll have a little bit of that. But you just, you have to say, okay, well, that's done. Like, I don't eat cookies anymore. Uh, The last time I bought a bag of cookies was eight or nine years ago. Um, You just have to change what it is that you eat, and you just can't go back. It's not a temporary thing. It's done. Like, that, that phase of your life is done. It's like quitting smoking. You just have to quit smoking and never start again. And it's the same thing with um, whatever it is that you eat that you have your particular weakness for. You just have to change your life. And it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm just, I'm not going back. And it's that permanent change. And you have to exercise. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, so yeah, if you can, if you can say, you know, I'm concerned about your health, I'm concerned about, you know, and if it's a woman who's single, you know, you'll you'll make a lot of money if you lose weight because you'll get a more attractive guy and I just like to, right? So, let's see here. <sighs> Mainstream media never brings up his drug levels, prior overdoses in custody, heart condition. Oh, my God. But, th- th- but this is not my privilege, right? It's pretty obvious, right? I mean, I've been... <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an irrational and strange thing, <laughs> but I'm, I'm oddly annoyed at the Tiger Woods situation. Did you guys been following this at all? Like, is he a worse father, husband, or driver? It's, uh, it's tough to know, right? Good golfer, bad driver. So this guy, you know, Tiger Woods, barreling down, they finally, well, first of all, they didn't test him uh, on the crash site because they said, well, he doesn't appear to be impaired. It's like, dude, the guy's leg's hanging by a thread. He's full of an adrenaline dump and cortisol from the crash. How on earth are you supposed to know whether he's drugged or not? They took his blood. They didn't test his blood. And then I think a week or two ago, they finally figured out the cause of his crash. But they didn't want to tell the media because they wanted to run it past the family first. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that just the kind of nice thing that you and I would also get if that was the case? So they finally figured out the cause of the crash was that he had the accelerator down 99% on the floor. And uh, he hit the barrier at 75 miles an hour. So no brakes, full acceleration. Now, to me, that just means fell asleep at the wheel, passed out of the wheel, something like that, right? Leaned forward, leaned on his leg, whatever whatever happened, right? Or maybe he just had a suicidal impulse, I don't know, right? But there were no brakes. He just barreled and hit the barrier at 75 miles an hour, which is, is insane, right? And he's not getting charged, they say, because, uh, you know, well, there was no officer there to see it. It's like, what do you mean there's no officer there to see it? So you never get charged with murder unless an officer actually witnesses <laughs> You killing someone? I mean, come on. It's just protect the income, protect the reputation of Tiger Woods, protect the golf um, buddy stuff. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's oddly bothersome to me that it's just so. And, and you know, what, what, are you ta- like, what the hell are you talking about, oh, cops, that this guy who had, if, if I remember rightly, a previous 
problem with being on drugs and behind the wheel? Like, didn't, didn't they find him, like, passed out? Correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't they find him passed out somewhere with um, a lot of um, drugs in his, his system? I think they were prescription drugs. But nonetheless, so you've got a guy with impaired driving in the past, and he crashes at 75 miles an hour, no brakes, no bad weather, no dodging anything, no one there. I mean, of course you would test his blood, but nope, can't do it, can't do it. Because you see, here's the funny thing, right? This is the white, non-white standard, right? The funny thing, right? You got to take Donald Trump out of Home Alone too, but O.J. Simpson gets to stay in the Police Academy movies or the Police uh, Squad movies, right? Anyway, let's see here. Second medical autopsy did say that he died from strangulation. I don't believe that's true. Uh, the second medical autopsy was commissioned by the family, and he did not examine uh, uh, the, the body in the same way that the first one did. So, no. No, no, no. Sorry. Let's see here. Human nature is having a conscious. Do you mean consciousness or a conscience? I don't know. It's certainly not human nature to have a conscience. A conscience is a very modern and largely Western invention. So sad that Iran is no longer secular like it was before the 70s. Thanks, USA. Yes, yes, it's true. Um, it's very, very sad. Uh, they say some forms of FGM are benign, like they just prick the girl's genitals and draw a little blood, so like a ritual. Yeah, I've heard that too. I don't know. I told my girl we both need to lose weight because we respect each other. It worked. We both went keto and lost the weight. Well, good for you. Good for you. Congratulations. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's toss out some uh, of our... Uh, streamer is not online. What are you talking about? There we go. Let's toss out some, uh, some cheddar, right? Since I don't really know what I'm doing, let's just toss out 5,000 lemons. There we go. Enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, is 55 years a good age to retire? I don't know. I don't know what you mean by retirement. I mean, I would come back from the dead. You'll know that there's no life after death if I don't come back to do live streams because I love it so much that uh, <laughs> not going to happen, right? How do you use GIFs? I'll let you look that up. Cardio five times a week, six-mile bike ride plus weights. Mm. Although fun, you don't gain anything from playing video games. Mm, uh, scientifically, there are some benefits to playing video games, particularly when you get older. It keeps your mind sharp. There's nothing wrong with video games, you know, but, you know, I just cost benefit, right, for me. with the, When you really get, um, uh, when you really get a, a strong sense of your own mortality, then you just don't really feel that you want to wake, uh, waste as much time. Steph, what do you think of this new stay-at-home order? Well, it's actually, it's interesting because it's a, it's a tyranny that kind of comes out of the medical media establishment, which people aren't really, really talking about. So the medical media establishment are the doctors are panicking or freaking out or leftists or want to destroy the West or I don't know what it is, right? So the doctors come up with all of this crazy stuff, which is anti-scientific. There's absolutely no evidence that lockdowns work. There's no evidence that masks are, masks are particularly efficacious. And I used to say, I said this back, you know, we should open right back up. I said this about a, more than a year ago. We should just open right back up. I was more of a fan of masks at the time because I thought they would reduce the viral load, reduce your expelling of, um, 
uh, viral loads and also remind you not to touch your mouth and your nose, turns out you only have a 1 in 10,000 chance of getting COVID from a surface now. So that's all gone. So that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, the stay-at-home order is... Um, so the problem is if you are a politician and you want to defy your doctors, right? And, and in Canada, because it's socialized medicine, the doctors are much more unanimous. So if you're a politician and you say, no, we're going to stay open, and the doctors scream blue murder, then they get amplified by the media, and you're called anti-science, there's hysteria, there's protests, uh, and so on, and it just becomes very unmanageable very quickly. So uh, it takes a very strong person. And I don't really know that Canadian politics breeds this kind of thing, but you, it would take a very strong person to just say, look, I'm going to give you this presentation. Here's the charts, here's the facts, here's Texas, here's... Uh, the countries which didn't lock uh, down at all. Here's Taiwan. Uh, here's, you know, here's all, like we've got a huge experiment all over the world about lockdowns, no lockdowns, masks, no masks, mandates, no mandates, stay at home, no stay at home. We've got all of this data, all of this data. And you would just be a leader and you would do the presentation rather than just sit there and say, oh, okay, well, what do the doctors say? Well, the doctors are having a pretty good time with things, right? Because they don't have all these bothersome patients with their problems because, you know, nobody's going to the doctors these days, even though people are fine. Oncologists are reporting that a significant uptick in cancer problems because, of course, people didn't get screened for like a year. Right? It's terrible. It's terrible. But we have, we, you know, we have a big problem, which is we have uh, a less intelligent population, generation by generation. IQ is falling. And we have uh, increased propaganda. And that's a terrible combination. So... All right, let's see here. My goal is to retire at 55. Less financial stress later in life is important, in my opinion. I think, oh, good, good for that. Uh, good for you. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, don't you want to have something you do for a living that's so enjoyable that you wouldn't want to retire? I mean, isn't that a way to, you know, if you find something you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life, so to speak, right? Ah, let's see here. Never ask a man about his bit wallet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see here. Steph, I have a family member who is suffering from the gang stalking thing. He's currently in therapy, but it's not getting better. Yeah, I did a show with a guy who believed that he, he found, he heard a strange noise in his cupboard one day and that was like gang stalking. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I have no expertise in the area, so it's just my personal opinion. A paranoia is a very, very difficult issue to uproot in someone. You know, paranoia where, you know, people genuinely think someone's out to get them. And, you know, my mom, mom had this, right? There'd be some graffiti, a couple of buildings over. She'd think it was a coded message to warn her about something. And she would sleep with a knife under her pillow, a big giant, like halfway between a bazooka and a Bowie knife under her pillow because she felt, you know, people were going to come in and kill her uh, all the time and so on. So paranoia gives you such a feeling of being special and people paying attention to you, and it tends to afflict life's losers as a whole, right? And, and I, when I say loser, I don't just mean someone who's innately a loser, but somebody who has really, really failed in life. So if you've really, really failed in life and nobody's really paying you any attention and you don't matter really to anyone or people shun you, or, we all have a hunger to be important, right? Don't we? You, me, every, we all have a hunger to be important to people. We're social animals. We're dogs, not cats. We have a hunger to mean something, for people to think of us, for people to care about us. And if we can't get that through love, a lot of people will just get that through paranoia, that 
Uh, people are just focused on them and thinking about them all the time and, and tracking them and stalking them and, and following them in traffic. And they're just they're the focus of people's attention. And we all want to be the focus of people's attention, hopefully for good things, like I'm trying to provide positive things to the world and be a focus of people's attention. And again, I don't want people to be focusing on me, but philosophy, right? I'm supposed to be the clear pane of glass through which you can see the beauties of philosophy. Forget about me. Just look at the view, right? The, the best glassmaker doesn't want people to think about the glass, but just marvel at the beauty of the view. And it's the same thing with me. But So if you have not contributed to the world, to people, in a way that garners you positive attention, then many people, especially if they're lonely and isolated, will start to... I mean, this is what trolls do, right? So what, this is what trolls do. Trolls need people to pay attention to them, but they don't know or can't figure out or have never tried to get attention in a positive way. And so, you know, they're like the kid who does, he just needs his parents' attention, so he'll just pick a fight, just cause a problem, break a dish. Now he's got his parents' attention and he feels some relief from the isolation, right? We, we disintegrate alone. We, we, uh, personality uh, and, and truth uh, and, and, and virtue and reason, these are all social phenomena. If we're just alone, this is why solitary confinement is such a torture. When we're alone, you know, we're like sand in the hourglass, man. We just, we just dissolve. We just dissolve. I mean, this, this Randian, even Ryan Rand did, right? So, so we would rather be terrified than feel lonely, and that to me is where paranoia comes from. My mom wasn't paranoid when she was younger. My mother gained a lot of attention through her beauty and through her charm and her vivacious nature. And she was very charming, like a lot of crazy people. She could be very charming because she gave people a loosey-goosey sense of liberation from chains and restraints and all that, right? Like the Hugh Hefner stuff, right? Don't be so square, man. Make your own rules. <laughs> Turns out there are good rules for good reasons. So when she got lots of attention because of youth and, and beauty and sexual desirability, then she didn't need paranoia because she got attention. Now, when she got older and she blew past 40 and then past 50 in particular, uh, she just couldn't get the male attention, right? And this comes as a deep shock to women. It shouldn't, of course, but it does because we've hidden from them the consequences of milking sexual attractiveness long past its expiration date. So my mother became paranoid because now she felt that men were fascinated by her for negative reasons, right? That they wanted to shut her up and stop her suing doctors and stop her challenging the imaginary battles that she had with the insurance companies and so on. And so she now was then very important to men, but not because she was attractive, but because she was going to blow some scheme I could never quite fully understand or something like that. So, all right. So, yeah, the gang stalking thing is pretty tough, man. If you can talk someone into being a positive contributor to society and getting people's attention in a positive way, I think that the gang stalking thing could theoretically diminish, but getting people to, to transition to that, it's a whole lot easier to feel paranoid and important and terrified, but having everyone focus on you than it is to, you know, get off your butt and try and contribute something positive to the world that you live in. Uh, the other day you mentioned you have a brother. What's his story out of interest? Uh, so I, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't generally talk about my brother. It's not his fault or causality that I'm both famous and infamous. So uh, he should, you know, live his life. And uh, uh, I don't mean to uh, have, don't be interested in him. It's he's not a public figure. And, and uh, it's not, you know, it's not not something that's really worth worth looking into. So let's see here. What about meet Kevin? So Lauren Southern on his show and been watching for financial opinions. I don't know what that means. Sorry. 
Say, you sure look fat. <laughs> See these cheek lines? Oh, you can't really because of the beard, right? So, yeah, I weigh 190. Um, I'm, you can say big boned or fairly bulky, but uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. My, my blood work is excellent and all of that. So, have you seen Ethan Rouse exposed gunt? Gut? He's a streamer who got known most when his big belly was exposed in a picture. <laughs> no, you can I just tweeted something today, which was something I did a little over a year, a year and a half ago, maybe, and I haven't changed my weight since then. I was a bit bloated in the Hong Kong vid, um, had some sort of reaction to the food, and I just, anyway, and then the complete turnaround of schedule. But, um, um, yeah, you can see my weight in, in sort of a full body picture. I'm fine. You need to lose weight over a period of time and not crash diets. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so we should just cut out desserts permanently. Well, look, I mean, I haven't had a full dessert. I had full dessert a couple of years ago on my birthday, and it was like a full slice of carrot cake. And here's the funny thing, you know, like when you don't have a lot of sugar for a while, you have sugar, you're like, oh, man, this really is a drug. Like you feel dizzy and tired and, and ugh, it's really. So I'm not saying you've got to cut out desserts permanently. You've just got to cut back. My, my wife made this amazing, she calls it a strawberry blondie, which is like me when I was younger with a tan, but, um, and it was great, so I just, you know, I just had a, a little piece, you know, if, if there's a piece of pie, I'll have like maybe a third, maybe half the piece of pie, and just, just, you just cut back on these kinds of things, and you won't miss it that much, because it's really for the taste, right? Oh yeah, no sugary drinks, oh uh, yeah, absolutely, I, I probably ate a, I probably drank a sugared soft drink last about 25 years ago. Uh, you, you just, I, I mean, I, I don't mind a little bit of, I like bubbly water, so a little bit of carbonated water, squeeze a little juice into it, uh, like a little lemon juice or something is really good. So make desserts out of dark chocolates if you need sweets. Yeah, yeah. Watch your consumption of excessive fruit amounts. Yeah, and stay, stay clear of fruit juices, man. That's just Satan. That's just Satan uh, in, a, in a bag. Uh, right, let's see here. Yeah, he already had a suspension for taking pain pills and driving Tiger Woods, right? It's like, Jesus. Crazy. Crazy. The naked gun. Yeah, yeah. I lost 35 pounds last year, gained back 15 with COVID lockdowns as an excuse. Yeah, it's a little tough to exercise um, at home, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I, when I was exercising at the gym, I used to, uh, used to live at uh, Young and Eglinton, or as they call it, Young and Eligible in Toronto. And yeah, I would go to the gym to uh, talk to women. I would go to the yoga class. Uh, I would go to aerobics and I would just chat with women and ask them out and, and go on dates. And, you know, that was, you know, and I liked working out and all of that. And now I'm happily married 19 years and strong. And uh, now, of course, I want to, you know, stay fit, wife and daughter and all that. But uh, yeah. Do you think the Overton window will ever shift back to the right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, society is just an endless pendulum, but the amount of suffering uh, is going to be unbelievable. So when people are committed to an idea, the amount of suffering that they need to experience in order to give up on that idea is directly proportional to their commitment to that idea, right? So the more committed someone is to, say, communism or radical egalitarianism or whatever it is, social justice, the more committed they are to that, the more suffering they have to experience in order to even begin to question it. And if you look at somebody who's like a, I don't know, like a cocaine addict or something, they know the cocaine is bad for them. They know that they should ideally not take cocaine, and yet they find it very, very hard to quit. 
And we're not even in the place where people, there's, oh, yeah, you know, that social justice stuff. I know it's bad for me. I know it makes me miserable. I know that if I'm a, a woman in particular, liberal ideology is going to raise my chances of mental health north of 50%. So I know it's bad for me, man. I, I know, like, screen time. Like, you know, you know, if you spend a lot of time uh, on screens, and I'm better now, but deplatforming may have saved my long-term eyesight, but... You know, you spend a lot of time on on screens. You're like, you're like, ah, you know, I shouldn't. I gotta look away. You're like, you know, you know, you know, you drink too much coffee. Oh, I should cut back, and you know, too much sugar. I should cut back. Oh, I need to go to the gym. You, know, you got these things that go on in your brain, right? So, social justice, they believe they're perfectly moral, and everyone else is perfectly immoral. You you simply cannot change. You cannot talk someone into what they perceive as immorality. You can't do it. And the amount of so, the more committed you are, and the more moral. The ideology that the more moral that you perceive the ideology to be, uh, the more suffering you have to go through, and the amount of suffering that it's going to take to dislodge this stuff in society is beyond anything we've ever experienced historically. So. I haven't gained weight. I probably lost weight since the lockdown because I can't freaking lift weights. Oh, Nick. <laughs> oh, Nick. Come on, man. Oh, come on. Don't be silly, man. I just, I can't lift weights. You know, you can get a, uh, one, I, I remember once when I was traveling, I, I picked up a 125-pound weight. And you can get a pretty good full workout in with 125-pound weight. And it costs like 30 bucks. This is when I was traveling and I was in a place for a little while. You just, you just got to do it. I mean, I'll do this another time with another show, but. I'm just really fascinated about the idea of a life with no excuses. Like, what, what would your life be like if you had no excuses whatsoever? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fascinating? If you just excused yourself for absolutely no excuses. Yeah, excused yourself for absolutely nothing. So, you know, you say, ah, oh, I can't, I've lost weight since the lockdown because I can't freaking lift weights. Of course you can. Pick up a bag of potatoes for guts. <laughs> of course you can lift weights. Now you can say, I've lost weight since the lockdown because I just don't feel like lifting weights. I don't want to lift weights. I miss going. And that's fine. I mean, not saying no excuses doesn't mean you bully yourself and order yourself to do stuff. But what would it be like? What would it be like if you just didn't make any excuses for your behavior? Wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean, it's a pretty wild thing. Just, just I would say try it out for a week. <laughs> I'm working on this, man. Just try this out. No excuses whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Um... Steph, I'm talking deadlift, squats, bench pressing. A 25-pound dumbbell is not conducive to that. So get two. <laughs> or get one of those variable weights. You know, the weights where you can vary things, right? Uh, you can't, uh, you can't uh, get a little weight bench. I mean, come on, man. I mean, how much have you spend on your internet? How much do you spend on video games? You can't spend 100 bucks or 200 bucks to get some basic weight stuff at home? Come on, man. You just <laughs> make it stuff up. I probably need to gain weight. Yeah, well, don't be skinny fat, right? If you're going to gain weight, be sure to lift heavy. Where do you find a good woman, Steph? Well, first thing you've got to be is a good man and then be a prominent good man, and then they'll find you. And let's see here. Sorry, I'm way behind here. When you first started live streaming, did you enjoy it more or less than pre-recorded videos? I've always liked the live streaming. I know it's a little scattered for some people, and it's not to their tastes, and I understand that, but uh, I, I really like it. I You know, for... I've been doing the show for 16 years, and for like 13 or 14 of those years, 
uh, outside of the call-in shows, it was all just me and a camera, and I just love the fact that we're having a conversation. <laughs> it's much better, much better, much better. Uh, passports, vaccine, fight. Yeah, I mean, just don't call them vaccine passports. Just call them movement papers, right? Permission to move papers. Permission to to travel papers. And um, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but you've got to challenge the constitutionality of these things, I would imagine. Do you like chess? I recently got back into it. Currently at 1540 rating in the rapid format. I do like chess. I do like chess. Um, I don't have much of a memory. It's funny, you know, I can... I can Hold in my mind with perfect clarity complex abstract arguments I first read 40 years ago. And it's not a brag. I mean, I just I have a photographic memory for philosophy, which is why I can command so many of these arguments and don't really need to prepare for debates and all this kind of stuff. And I'm very good at that stuff. But I'll tell you, <laughs> you play Among Us and it's like someone dies. It's like, uh, who was in that room with me? Uh, or you play cards. Why well, don't not particularly good at cards? You know, you're playing uh I don't know, hearts or something like that. And it's like, oh, what's already been played? Uh, who, who asked for what? <laughs> Go fish, who asked for what? I, I honestly can't remember unless I sit there and really concentrate. So there's some stuff that sticks to your brain like burrs to an elk's ass, right? I mean, it just, it's right there. There's other stuff you have to really work on. So I'm a very instinctive chess player. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm very particularly good. But I, you know, people are like, oh, that's the queen to rook seven open game. But I don't remember any of that stuff. I really don't. And so I enjoy playing chess. I enjoy playing Scrabble. But do I, do I remember some great word that I looked up last time? Not really. So it's very much, it, it's in the moment, so to speak. That's the way my brain works. All right. There was never any evidence of masks preventing virus spread. Yeah, nobody knows how it spreads. Nobody knows how it spreads. Uh, that's just a basic fact. Uh, it's a basic fact that we've got to figure out, right? We need the truth about COVID restrictions with a compilation of sources from Texas to Taiwan and vaccines. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I tell you guys just, you know, personally, and this is part of the design of the deplatforming, is that with a smaller audience, it's tough to pour heart and soul for a week into gathering highly complicated and technical information, finding a good way to present it, recording it, editing it, uploading it, and then maybe I get 10,000 views on BitChute. You know, I got to tell you, I don't mean to sound all kinds of like, I don't play clubs, you know, <laughs> I only play stadiums. Um, what is that? Uh, my dick is so big, it only plays stadiums. <laughs> that's a good joke. But, I, you know, I that's why I like the live streams, because we got a nice intimate jazz club chat going on here. But it's tough, you know, and I did one on the Justice stuff recently. And, it, you know, again, it's it's a lot of like the, the effort versus reward stuff. You know, when I did Rome and it did, you know, a couple of million views or whatever, the, the truth about Rome, it's like, yeah, that was worth it. It was worth spending a month on that presentation, right? It's a lot of work putting those things together. And it's like that the effort versus the reward, it's a little tough. And, you know, I know what people are going to say, and I've thought of this too, right, where people will say, well, yeah, but, you know, if you did those truth abouts, you'd get more of an audience and so on. It's like, yeah, it's possible. But I think I've been doing great shows lately. I'm very happy with the show. So. But, yeah, I will think about that. Thank you. Uh, Canadian politics has a dearth of strong leaders. Well, yeah, but it's because you have a weak population, right? So the weak population, the weak will always look at the strong as bullies and then play the victim, right? Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they, they don't. And, and the other thing, too, is that um, uh, like you can have good science 
or you can have government science. You can't have both. You simply cannot have both. And, of course, this is the lesson that people need to learn about, you know, the scientists not that long ago were telling people that smoking was good for them. They were telling them that thalidomide was a wonderful cure for morning sickness. They were doing all of this stuff. And we have to... It's what Dick Feynman said, that uh, all science is based upon the perception of the fallibility of experts. Believe nothing. Believe Where was the skepti- Where's skepticism in, in all of this, right? Where's skepticism? Have they even isolated this virus? <laughs> I've heard both sides. <laughs> so people say, I don't know if it's native IQ, for, uh, why it's falling, mostly due to immigration. Immigration has a factor, but uh, the welfare state also is very big, very big on this, right? And there's a thing, too, uh, so uh, I would like to thank, and I'm sorry if I don't, I don't remember your name, but somebody recommended that I start watching Hillbilly Elegy. Um, Netflix is generally, uh, I mean, anti-white propaganda as a whole, but I thought I would give this one a try because it was strongly recommended by a listener, and I will do a review on it. But one of the things that I was uh, thinking about was, you know, this is in the Appalachians, and uh, it's hill people and so on. And one of the reasons why IQ is an issue in these isolated communities these days you know, in the past, in a small town, people would generally stay in the small town, and you'd have a bell curve of people, some not so smart, some very smart, and they'd all kind of mix and mingle, and, and, you know, the IQ would sort of ratchet around, bounce around like a pinball in the various locations. But now what happens, of course, with mobility, with opportunity, with education, and 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 the fact that these educational institutions go around and try and skyhook all the smart people out of every community that they're ever in, so you have a constant yeeting out of smart people from these more remote locations. And of course, what does that do to the general IQ in the population when all the smart people have bugged out and bailed out, right? And I remember this when I worked in small towns in my late teens, or I would go through small towns in the way to go and work up north for gold panning and prospecting. And man, it was pretty grim. It was pretty grim. And, you know, I grew up in a, in, in Canada in particular, but to some degree in England, I grew up in a very low IQ environment because it was rent-controlled single-mother apartments. And single moms, as we know, have an IQ on average, lots of exceptions. But on average, the single moms have an IQ in the low 90s and, you know, IQ 80% genetic by late teens and probably higher after that. And so the idea that I was going to stick around that dysfunctional low-rent, literally low-rent hellhole of an environment, like, no, thank you, right? So I, I get out of there as quickly as humanly possible and try and get to the highest IQ neighborhood I can, I can find, right? So. <sighs> I'm going to marry into money so I can retire. And do what? And do what? And, and marry into money. I'm sure you're tongue-in-cheek or whatever, right? But you're, uh, um, you won't be happy. I mean, you won't because you haven't earned it, right? I remember the gang's talkie show. That was wild, yeah. That was wild. All right, let's see here. I know a female loser who has a new ailment every week from, from BPD, bipolar disorder, to restless leg syndrome. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Women and their ailments. Women and their ailments. You get into your 50s, you get a couple of creaks in the old pirate ship. There's no question about that, right? Um... I've had to take my weights down sort of 5 to 10% in places just because I'm getting older. And you got to adjust a little bit. So eh, it's not a, not a big deal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody know some woman who's like, uh, and another thing that went wrong in my body and this. And it's like, oh, man, it's like a, fa- it's a failing vessel, right? Uh, 
why didn't your mother try only for male attention? Why not female attention? Because the more a woman strives for male attention, the more unattractive she is to women, right? The, more, the less women want to be her friends, right? And, I mean, the few female friends that my mother ended up with later in life after she gave up on men, or men gave up on her, I mean, were just oh, unbelievably... I mean, one of, one, of, one of my mother's female friends, boyfriends, held both her and my mother at gunpoint for an entire evening because they wanted to leave and he didn't want them to leave. So it was just like, yeah, not good, not good. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pushing the jab. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Well, they put themselves into such a corner that and, and raise people's fears so much that maybe this is by design uh, that they feel that the vaccine and the passports is the only way back to normalcy, right? Of course, it does beg the question: if the vaccine is effective, why do you care if somebody else didn't get it? Right. I mean, I don't remember people bullying those who didn't get the flu vaccine all the time because you, you're safe, right? What do you matter if somebody else gets it, right? All right. Sorry, I am way. Does Canada have something like a First Amendment? There's kind of like a loosey-goosey thing about free speech in Canada, but uh, it's uh, not, uh, not as solid as a First Amendment for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing in Catch a Thief where meal portions were small by today's standard. Oh, meal portions in in America are completely mental. Okay, I mean, go go to uh, I don't know Olive Garden or something and order a plate of pasta, and it's like, oh my god, it's supposed to be split by the table or what? What? Uh, let's see here. Well, and and what does it? You know, I mean, you all have a you all have a uh, a First Amendment, but so what? <laughs> so what? I mean, the fact that you have a First Amendment is why the left is so hysterical and violent, right? So you've got a First Amendment. Oh, yeah, you can't be thrown in jail for legal speech, but you can get fired. You can have your life destroyed. You can be uh, cut off from the Internet. You can be deplatformed. It's like, yeah, okay, you got something on paper, but, you know, do you have free speech if you're terrified to exercise it? Well, of course not, right? Let's see here. I can't even have any carbonated drinks. They hurt my throat now. It's been so long. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I know the carbonated drinks make you a little gassy, but what do you think about United Airlines woke quotas? Yeah, so United Airlines say that uh, they want half their pilots to be what women and people of color uh, over the next couple of uh, five years or something like that. Well, I mean, it's inevitable, right? If you can't talk about IQ, then everything that is a disparity between groups must be the result of evil discrimination and all that, right? So, what do you think the origin of people enjoying sexual humiliation is? You mean like a, a, a masochist? Well, it's being sexually tortured as a child, right? And uh, when you're sexually tortured as a child, then you will grow up associated. Like we imprint on our, the first sexual acts that, that are inflicted on us or that we experience or see or whatever, uh, we kind of imprint on those, right? Because, you know, when you're born, you don't know what the sexual practices are in your particular geographical location. It goes back to what I said earlier about how adaptable we are. So you imprint upon the first sexual thing that you really see, and I think uh, this is the root of it. And so if you either saw sexual humiliation or you yourself were humiliated sexually as a child, then that is going to be your model for sexuality. And it's going to take a lot of work to undo that. Let's see here. 
Sorry, I'm just trying to catch up here. Uh, I'm way behind. <laughs> I'm trying to be short, but I can't. I'm tall. All right. Since the government and media are so behind the left's idea, suffering will be astronomical to get anyone to change. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, there'd be a And it all comes back to government schools. I mean, all government, uh, the moment that, um, you know, America lasted, what, 80 years, maybe, maybe, before the government completely overrode the Constitution. Uh, and fundamentally, it had to do with, uh, as well, um, government schools. You get government schools, you're done. You're done. It's just a matter of, you know, dead cat bounce, right? Get, get an exercise bike wired to mine cryptos. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I hadn't drank soda in about a year and a half, and then I took a sip of Coca-Cola. It was syrupy and nasty. And aftertaste too, right? I have kettlebells, three. That's all the weights you need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've replaced sugar addiction with running and lifting. Hey, you gotta watch your knees, man. Go, go look at what Tiger Woods said about what he wished he'd done differently when he was younger, and he wished he hadn't jogged 20 miles a week or whatever because uh, his knees were just a mess, right? And maybe that's got something to do with the painkillers that he may be on or whatever, right? Pawn shops are great for exercise equipment. I'm sure that's true. Prisoners get jacked without equipment or drugs. Don't they have gyms in prison? I think they do. I think they do. Bicycling is really good. Bicycling and swimming. Swimming, of course, is tough these days. Bicycling is fantastic because it's not an impact exercise, right? Let's see here. Queen to Queen's level three. What is that, 3D chess? Let's see here. FBI issued a statement saying falsified vax passports may be a crime. I agree with Ron Paul saying this will be the issue to wake people up. I doubt it. I mean, of course. Of course falsified vax passports are going to be a crime. <laughs> of course they are. It's the government. It's what happening, right? Do the majority of postmodernists really believe their illogical beliefs? Or is the brainwashing just that effective? So uh, postmodernists don't believe there's anything that's truth, objectivity, reason, right? like all of these things, right? So I will tell you an insight I got from a Simple Mind song, right? Don't you forget about me. There's a great line where he says, uh, I won't harm you or touch your defenses. Vanity, insecurity. Vanity and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. So people who are puffed up, like, why do animals puff up? Because they feel threatened. They're afraid, and therefore they look aggressive. Vanity and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. Everybody loves to feel smart. And you can either feel smart because you are smart. You've done a lot of work. You've challenged your beliefs. You've gone to root causes. You've looked at the data. You've built your, you've blank slated all the garbage and bullshit that you're fed as a child. And you've just whiteboarded yourself into some kind of rational coherence, right? Now, that's tough. Uh, it's tough work, right? And so instead, of, like if you want to feel smart, you either raise your standards, right? You work harder and better and learn more, or you lower standards, right? Of course, right? If, uh, if you're kind of overweight and you want to feel thinner, you can either do the hard work to exercise and lose the weight, or you can just hang around with fatter people and look thinner. You understand? You, if you want to do better, you either raise your standards or you lower everyone's standards. And so the postmodernism comes out of 
the gynocentric child raising that we have, right? So gynocentric child raising is when the yay stuff that I talked about in the show on Monday night, like the, the, the enthusiasm and the positivity that women have towards toddlers, right? Which is wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. It's exactly what toddlers should be hearing. So all of this yay stuff without that tough kind of, uh, yeah, that's not good, right? That's, that's no good. Like that's, oof, you know, that's, you know, that's not a good drawing. That is, you know, that is not, that is not a pleasant sounding piece of music, right? Like, you know, Ross is uh, uh, from Friends. He's got this uh, keyboard intellectual journey that's just terrible. And, and his friends don't want to say it. And I guess his parents never said it. You know, he was into his music and the music is just terrible. Like, or Phoebe with her singing, which is terrible, and her songs, which are terrible. Smelly cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? It's just terrible stuff, right? And the friends don't just sit there and say, no, this is like, stop. Like, this is not good, right? And so the, all of the enthusiastic, yay, stuff that goes on with women that produces uh, people who are both vain and insecure. And then they, this is why they fear the marketplace, because the marketplace will teach them the fact that their mother cheated them, right? Because the yay stuff, it's, it's beautiful, you know, it's a great, good job, you know, some kid pounding a, xylo, a xylophone, and, oh, it's lovely, right, whatever, right? And when you give, when you, when you deny people honest feedback on what they're good and bad at, you're lying to them. You're falsifying their entire relationship, and you're, you're, that's the best way. Sorry, it's rare that I can't think of the next thing, but I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. You are, you're kind of making them allergic to reality. It's cognitive dissonance, right? You're kind of making them allergic to reality. And you're cheating people of, of the facts that they need to make good decisions, right? Like we all know somebody who's dating the wrong person. They're dating the wrong person. You can either sit down and say to this person, like, you're not happy. She's not the right person for you. I can see this a million miles away. All your friends can see it. We all got to sit down and have an intervention, right? Well, you're saving that person, right? So people are saying, oh, a family court is so bad. And it's like, well, then help help men find better women and, and all that. I mean, come on, right? This, like, it's not just a, oh, it's a family court. It's also terrible. Work like hell to make sure that your friends who are male or female for that matter just date good people date decent people date reasonable people for god's sakes right just don't oh go MGTOW it's like come on man stand together brother to brother and save people from this kind of mess we don't want to do that right so we're enthusiastically vaulted into a void of honest feedback by gynocentric parenting and teachers right yay good job right and also this 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 terror of Winners and losers that characterizes the female mind that I talked about earlier in the show from, from Monday. So what happens is we get so – everything's great and, and we never fail and everything's wonderful and we're so good at everything and, and everything we do is so cool and every picture we make is so great and we get bored, we don't improve, we don't get better. And then what we have is this vanity about our own capacities. You know, you need to, to become – remotely good at anything you need to get beaten down you need to get beaten down and hard and repetitively you know diamonds are not polished by kleenex swords are not sharpened by cotton candy right to become good at anything i mean you just have to be beaten down and i'm not saying be abused right? i'm just you have to just be beaten down just beaten down and it's a good thing. 
it's a good thing, you know? And, you know, when I went to theater school, everyone who was there was the very best actor in their local environment. I was the best actor in my university. I was, you know, all the directors cast me as the leads in their plays. I was, you know, I was good at comedy. I was good at drama. And I was very good. I, 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 I did it, uh, one night. I wish I had video of any of this stuff, but it's long gone now. But one night, uh, my professor, Skip Shand, was the director. And I did a, a twofer, right? I did, I was the lead in Harold Pinterest, The Slight Ache, A uh, Slight Ache, sorry. And then I was uh, the, the, um, the comic um, butler or servant in a Chekhov play called The Bear, which is comedy. And so I went from this like really deep existential drama to like real slapstick comedy. And that was like, it was called The, uh, the Bear with a Slight Ache. <laughs> What's, what's the name of the evening? And I played both of those roles, and they were very, very different from each other. And then he wanted me to be in his next play, and, you know, the audience with like standing ovations and stuff. It was really – I was so I was, like, the best actor in my university, and everyone else was the best actor wherever they came from. And then we all came to the National Theater School, and most of us weren't the best actor anymore, right? And it's just something you've got to adjust to. And we had this really tough woman come up from New York who was just like, no, that's bad. No, that's no good. No, that's dishonest. No, you're not being authentic. And just tearing us down, just tearing us down. And you got to just be torn down. And and for me, you know, um, just that moment where I'm like, oh, my God, the state is a bad idea. Oh, my God, I don't actually know what ethics is. I don't know what virtue is. I don't know what goodness is. You gotta be torn down. You gotta, you know, strip down like Lear in the storm to the bare forked animal. Like you got nothing. You know nothing. Everything is a lie. Now people don't want to do that because it's a pretty godforsaken thing to go through. It really is. It really is. I had thoughts of self destruction when I was going through that process, and I went through that process twice. I went through it once with philosophy, and I went through it once with my entire family and social circle. And it's a, I mean, it feels like you're dying. When your false self falls, feels like there's nothing behind it. There's, there's nothing, you've, you've played a part so long, you don't have any words left of your own. All you have is a script of defensiveness. It's a brutal thing to go through. But that's what it takes to become good. So what happens is postmodernism is people saying, well, I want to feel smart, but I don't really want to be disciplined and go through the existential death and rebirth of killing off the false self, right? Asylum by Supertramp is a good song about this. So, yeah, you got to look at postmodernism as a very deep psychological phenomenon where people just want to say a bunch of bullshit and they don't want to be called on it. Right? They don't want any rational standards. They don't want to be beaten down. And they're terrified that they're not as smart as their mom told them they were. But they don't want to go through that process of death and rebirth, the death of illusion and the birth of the, the true self. Um, Self-actualization, which you start to think for yourself, genuinely think for yourself. They don't want to go through that process. And listen, I, I sympathize with them. I didn't want to go through that process either. It's something that... You know, you play with fire long enough and eventually you just burst into flames, right? And you play with philosophy long enough and eventually it just ties you down and <laughs> humiliates all of your prior beliefs, so to speak, right? 
So, you know, no, do they believe their illogical beliefs? No, but they, they want to feel smart. And so they've just eliminated standards so they can say bullshit. And, and it's like this academia too, right? I mean, I read some of these academia papers when I was doing these debates back on YouTube. Oh, like that guy from Zero Books or whatever. You read this academic bullshit. And it's like, you know, it's total bullshit. You know, it doesn't do anything with the population as a whole. You know, it's just a bunch of buzzwords. But they don't want to feel average. They don't want to feel dumb. So they just keep lowering the standards until people will believe their bullshit. And they can then believe their own. What about getting Dr. Cottrell back for an update? That is a good idea. I like the show. Thank you. How can ID be voting? How can ID for voting be racist but not vaccine passports? Oh, yeah, this is what goes so boring with politics. It's all so boring. It's all so predictable. It's just so boring. Uh, of course, whatever, the, whatever interferes with the power grab from the left is called racist. There's no reason to it. There's no right. All right. Skepticism is dead in the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, White Boy Summer. Yeah, I don't know. Just sounds like a weird Don Henley song. <laughs> I don't know what that is, right? All right. Oh, my God. Am I catching up at all? I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not catching up at all, am I? That's all right. For visible abs, you need a body fat percent of low, 9% or lower. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Never had abs myself. Freedomain.com slash donate. Thank you. Appreciate that. Tim Pool's hair pieces. Hair piece. Steph, forgive me if you've answered this in any of your past videos, but have you done therapy yourself? If so, how long? Was it useful? So I had two run-ins with therapy. The first was with a guy. I, I went to go and talk about issues that I was having with my career and with my relationship at the time. And um, I could just tell how bored he was. Like, you know, when you're, when someone is listening to you and you're getting bored of what you're saying, you're actually usually it's because they're bored and it's just kind of echoing back at you. And I just, I knew he was just bored. So I never, I paid him for that session and I never went back. Eventually I found another therapist and she was good. She did betray me later, but that's another story. So she was a good therapist in terms of she did a lot of deep Jungian stuff. I brought in a lot of dreams. I kept this massive journal. And I went for, I think, 18 months, something like that. And I went for three hours a week. And I did at least five to ten hours additional journaling and homework and all of that kind of stuff. I did find it uh, very helpful, very helpful indeed. Uh, let's see here. You should do a live stream with Meet Kevin. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's 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 test his intellectual courage, shall we? Stefan, what do you think about the idea of making politicians personally liable financially for their policies? It's an idea and a void. Politicians are, ne politicians are never going to vote for that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's an impossibility. All right. Um, talk to Kevin Samuels about how certain people demand the top 5% of partners when they themselves are nowhere near the top. So women, of course they will demand the top percent of 5% of partners because they can get the alpha males for sex. They just can't get them for a permanent commitment. And that's really tough. You know, in terms of vanity and insecurity, yeah, women think uh, that every, every woman thinks that uh, Zach Alfon should be her boyfriend. There's nothing wrong with that. Hypergamy is a wonderful thing and it's great. It's why we have a modern civilization. So... Um, 
there's nothing wrong with women wanting more. And they, women can get the alpha males for nights. They can get them maybe for a weekend. They might even get them for a week or two. But they won't get to keep them. And that's really tough. Finding out where you actually land in the pecking order of the sexual marketplace. Are you a 10, a 9, an 8, whatever? And there's lots of different ways to measure this. But it's really, really, it's really tough. So, yeah. So, uh, of course, women women would have to choose before they, you know, got um, propagandized into this cock carousel, endless merry-go-round of destroying their capacity to pair bond and any emotional or financial stability they might have. Before, women would have to choose their partner by the age of 20 or 21 because the good men were being snatched up fast, <laughs> so to speak. And so women would have to choose and they just have to roll the dice and try and get the best they could. But now, of course, with a declining sexual market value, they can keep jumping from bed to bed, and then they get used to these hot guys having an interest in them. And then if they have to end up settling for some, you know, bland Dungeons & Dragons loving accountant in their early 30s, they feel resentful and they'll end up divorcing him often. So, yeah, it's terrible. Steph, assuming Chauvin is acquitted, should I consider leaving a major city I live in for a few days? Uh, no, no, you shouldn't consider it. <laughs> you should absolutely do it. Where is part two, desire? Sorry. The questions are so good. Maybe I'll do one tomorrow night, too. All right. Regarding the earlier question about sexual humiliation, that person is me. I have no memory of any sexual torture at all. Okay, but were you exposed to, um, like, there's, there's pornography, and then there's, like, really deviant pornography. And were you exposed to deviant pornography uh, at an early age? Did you have any exposure to it? Did you have any stories about it? Did you see or hear? I mean, what could happen, of course, is that to a child, this is why you hide sexual activity from children, because to a child, sexual activity sounds like pain, right? And so, um, you know, is it the feeling or the thought that mom's being tortured or, or something like that? So um, you can answer that if you like. Steph, do you believe the colonists were right to start an armed rebellion? At what point do you have to move past civil disobedience? Um, yeah, I'm a philosopher, so I'm not falling for that. Sorry. Not a chance. All right, what do we got here? Actualization is at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which was said to be BS. Yeah, I've, I find, you know, the seven steps to and hierarchy of needs and EQ and uh, it's all just nonsense. I mean, just, just, it's all just nonsense. So essentially, postmodernists accept comfortable lies over uncomfortable truths since comfort is preferable to struggle. No, vanity. It's vanity. Thoughts about DeSantis or Ebbett for 2024? Dudes, there's no 2024. Uh, oh, oh, millions of illegals are going to be legalized and uh, mass immigration, and there's not going to be a 2024 for the Re Republican Party. Oh, my God, how did she betray you? I've never heard this before. Yeah, and you may never hear it again. Sorry. Uh, Steph, do you know about intensive short-term psychodynamic therapy? If so, what are your thoughts on it? I know very little about it, so I really don't have enough. Which is currently more towards authoritarianism, UK or USA? Oh, yeah, UK. UK, without a doubt. Uh, any place with hate speech laws is much more authoritarian. All right. Look at that. <laughs> okay, we could go a little long tonight. Um, tell me, g give me this. Um, give me... I got a false advertising here, right? So give me a Y if you want me to do women or N if you just want me to keep answering questions. I will let you be the decider and the guider. Hit me with a Y if you want me 
to do the women's stuff, my uh, why, or N if you want me to just keep asking questions. We got Ys, <laughs> like the Y chromosome, so to speak, right? All right, looks like the Ys have it. What are your thoughts about a now 22-year-old girl having dated a now 28-year-old guy for three years, no sex, and still no ring? Uh, she's a beard. Sexual humiliation. Not that I can remember. I sought out deviant porn as early as 13. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I used to imagine girl classmates beating me. Well, were you beaten in an erogenous zone when you were a child? Were you beaten on the buttocks or anything like that? Um, in which case, uh, it may have translated to sexual kind of domination. It's always best with less us, more you. Oh, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Have more belief in yourself, my brother and or sister. Uh, no, you guys, you guys uh, poke me with the stick of language to produce some great stuff. So <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. So it looks like, just scrolling back here, we have people who want me to do the female stuff. Should do another live stream with Dr. Shiva. Yeah, that guy could talk, eh? All right, hang on. I gotta move my legs here. Ugh. All right. Uh, yeah, call in if you want about this stuff. Um, but uh, I was spanked with a belt, but it was my father, and I'm definitely only attracted to women. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't, uh, I can't really do that in, in text. Okay, so to understand women, right? This is the truth about women, uh, part two, right? Rare butt shot from Steph. <laughs> I guess that's true, right? So lower body. Wait, what have I got here? I can't even see myself. I'm on the other thing here, right? There we go. Lower body. Okay. <laughs> Get my boogie on. Red skull? I don't know what that means. All right. What's my posture here? Let's uh, sit up a little here. Raise that. And hunched over like Gollum with a dead mackerel. All right. So, to gain attention, of course, is essential for women. And I'm talking, this is all female mammals and all of that kind of stuff, right? So this is all stuff to do with how we survive as animals. It's not philosophy, so to speak, but it is very, very important about understanding women, right? So a woman, and we're talking, you know, 40, 40 minus, right? A, a, a woman can always get attention, right? You say, oh, well, she's overweight. Okay, well, she just finds an unattractive, low-earning or fat guy, right? So a woman can always get attention, Women have value for existing, and men have value for providing, right? This is the fundamental distinction that you have got to get through your manly brain here, right? And for the ladies, tell me where I'm going astray, right? You deserve to be a nude marble sta statue. <laughs> That's very kind. I, I like my body. I like my, I like my head. So a woman can have... A woman has value simply by existing. A man has to provide value, right? She is the receiver and he is the provider. So a woman um, is, is for a man in general, 
a net negative, right? In terms of money, right? Because uh, in the past, right, a woman would marry a man and he wouldn't get sex before marriage. The woman would marry a man. They'd go on their honeymoon. And it's called a honeymoon because it starts off sweet and ends up kind of sad, like you're mooning, you're moon-faced. And he gets, you know, a week of, you know, or two weeks of, you know, crazed rabbit on cocaine sex. And then she gets pregnant. And then when she's pregnant, she doesn't feel like sex that much anymore. She has the baby. She might have an episiotomy and she can't have sex afterwards. And then she's breastfeeding and doesn't feel very sexy. And then, uh, you know, baby gets a little older. She's still kind of tired. You get a little bit more sex. And then she has another baby. And so, and, and you're, you know, you have to have 10 times the money when you have a wife and kids than if you're a single man, right? I mean, it's just the way it works, right? So the man's sexual desire has to be very high in order for him to leap into this commitment. Now, of course, you get a loving wife, you get kids, you get a family, you get comfort and succor in your old age, you know, you get someone to take care of you when you're sick and you take care of your wife. It's all beautiful, right? So I'm simply talking about sort of the raw biological mechanics of it all, right? So as men, we don't fathom, we do not understand what it's like to have value just for breathing. We don't have a clue what it's like. Human being is invented for women. Human doing is is men, right? So we gotta we gotta go make stuff. Uh, we gotta provide. We gotta have a job. We gotta have an income. We gotta be generous. We gotta buy dinner. We gotta do stuff because the woman is testing to see whether we can provide for her. Now, I'm not talking about the welfare state. Like people get mad at modern women because of the government, and don't get mad. You understand? Getting mad at women is ridiculous. It's like a boss getting mad under communism that his workers are lazy. It's like, they're not lazy. They're just rationally responding to the incentives of the existing system. That's it. That's all that's that's going on. Rationally responding to the weird incentives of a twisted system. Don't get... I mean, you understand that the state wants you to get mad at women for women responding to twisted incentives from the government. So, yes, the government pays women to have children out of wedlock. So a lot of women have children out of wedlock. And that's a shame. You say, well, they shouldn't. It's like, yeah, well, okay. And you can also say that the workers under Stalin's horrible communist regime should really work diligently and hard for eight hours a day. Well, but they don't. (laughs) You know, the number of people who strive to be virtuous in an unjust system is minuscule. And if you try to build society on those people, you'll fail every single time. They're just, you know, it's like, well, I can only have a society with people over seven feet tall. It's like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> and they're going to be regression to the mean anyway. So it just bothers me. This is why I've always opposed the MGTOW thing. It bothers me that people fall into the trap of disliking women because of the weird incentives of the government system. Yes, women's votes abort with welfare. Yes, women's vote abort with old age pensions. Yes, women's votes abort with socialized health care. Yes, women's votes abort with family court. I get all of that. And you know who's at fault for that? The government. <laughs> the, the system. The system. You don't get mad at women. If you get mad at women and you're smart because you're listening to this, you're smart. You get mad at women. Guess what? Uh, we lose smart people. We lose smart children. We lose intelligence from the world. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's just not a good solution. And don't let, the, don't let a bad system trick you out of love. Don't let a bad system trick you out of family and, and fatherhood and, and all of that. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible deal. 
And it's a, it's, a, it's a coward's way out, if you don't mind me saying so bluntly. And I say this with sympathy, and I, I do. I say this with love. But it's a coward's way out to say, well, the system is bad, so I can't get married and, and fall in love and raise children I'm just because the system is bad. And I think, okay, well, then the system is just one, and, and you've lost, and it's really, it's really sad. Uh, and, uh, and you've let the government trick you into disliking women when women are simply responding to the rational incentives that they're in place. And listen, I mean, if you're under 60, or if, you know, if you're under 80, it's not like the women voted for this. They didn't. They didn't vote for it. Well, they voted for the welfare system by and large. What do you mean? Seems reasonable to be mad at women that vote for that. Really? You think, you think only women vote for government benefits? You ever heard of the military-industrial complex? That's largely men, right? You understand? $700 billion plus for the Pentagon. 800 military bases around the world, endless war. I mean, I understand that's mostly men, right? There's no shortage of people who are attempting to amorally exploit a system that they're told is virtuous and just, right? And the women have been propagandized. And the government is making female impulses that are designed to help society turn into stuff that's wrecking society. But singling out women when... Singling out women when men profit equally. Look, I mean, look at the heads of the major tech corporations, mostly men, right? They're all benefiting massively from government subsidies and government power. And here's the thing, too. If you've slept with more than one woman, you're also benefiting from the government. So saying, well, women vote for the welfare state, that's really bad. You understand, if you've had sex with more than one woman, you've been profiting from the welfare state in a way that's even more destructive than women taking money. Because you've taken hearts, right? You've had a woman pair bond with you. And she's only done that and had short-term sex with you. She's only done that because of the welfare state. So you're profiting from the welfare state by draining your balls. And arguably, that's a lot worse than a woman just getting some money. Because you're wrecking women. Like men who sleep around then complain that there's feminism. It's like you understand that you're just creating feminists by sleeping around with women by treating their hearts as disposable objects, right? Using them for sex, the most humiliating. We also, because we like being used for sex, we have no fundamental conception of how unbelievably humiliating and destructive it is for a woman to be used for sex. It's called the walk of shame for women, and it's, it's damn accurate. The walk of shame. It's called the walk of shame. It's kind of a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. And so men who sleep around, you're profiting from the cushion put there by the welfare state. If there wasn't a welfare state, women wouldn't be sleeping around with you. If women had to pay for their own health care, they wouldn't be risking STDs and they wouldn't be risking um, HPV and all this kind of crap. They wouldn't be risking it. They wouldn't be risking pregnancy. If they, had to pay. They, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be sleeping with your sorry ass or mine if it wasn't for the welfare state. So if you think that... <laughs> Oh, women are profiting from the welfare state. When they vote for the welfare state, that's bad. And you slept with more than one woman, you're as much a part of the problem, if not more, than they are. So sorry for the wake-up call, guys, but <laughs> it's just the reality. It's just the reality. Welfare spending is greater than military spending. I'm not saying men are not at fault either. Yes, but welfare spending is also subsidizing, as I said, the sexual addictions of men, right? So... Feminine people vote left. Femininity is the problem. Femininity is amoral and chaotic. 
No, femininity is not the problem. Voting is the problem. <laughs> femininity is not a problem. Masculinity is not a problem. It's voting that's the problem. It's, it's the power of the state that's the problem. And, and getting mad at women when there's the power of the state, you know, it's like if the government runs lotteries and people, if somebody wins a million dollars and they want to go cash the lottery ticket and you say, you're the problem, man, you're greedy for the unearned. It's like, hey, man, it's perfectly legal. I, I paid lottery tickets for years. I finally won something in the lottery. I'm going to go cash it in. The problem is the lottery, not the people who play it. Come on. No, I'm not to blame for women sleeping around. They have agency. Again, I'm not saying I do that. No, see, I didn't say, <laughs> I didn't say you're to blame for women sleeping around. What I'm saying is that women only sleep around because of the welfare state. Women only sleep around because of the welfare state. Because before the welfare state, there were chaperones. There was, you've got to leave the door open. You've got to keep at least one foot on the ground. You, there was not this explosion in extramarital sex, premarital sex, uh, fatherless households, uh, marriage breakups, and so on, right? So, no, I'm not saying you're responsible for women sleeping around. Of course, they have agency in the same way that, you know, God. Sorry, I don't mean to sound impatient because it's not an argument. But the workers in the Soviet Union had agency, but they didn't work very hard in general, right? Because the system was bad. The system was amoral, evil, terrible, right? It's like saying, well, you know, the, the, the people, uh, uh, they, should, they should just have gotten up at dawn and, and worked hard all day, even though they didn't get paid more and often get punished by their fellow man, uh, fellow workers for making them look bad. And so, come on, man. If, if you're... You you gotta you gotta know where you are on the bell curve, and I don't just mean the bell curve of intelligence, but you have to know where you are on the bell curve. What I mean by that is, if you're listening to the show, you're extraordinary. You're extraordinary. You're way to the right in terms of originality, creativity, intelligence, sensitivity, work ethic. You're just you're willing to be challenged. You're willing to come here and have me nag and tell you off. And- all this kind of, which I do out of love, right? So you're way off and saying, well, everybody should like be like me. It's like, but they're not. <laughs> everybody should be, but they're not. But they should, but they're not. But they should be, but they're not. And they never will be. Because that's what a bell curve is. You know, if, if you're vastly to the right on the bell curve, you got 130 plus IQ, that's a whole host of other things. It means you're generally going to be healthier. You're generally going to be more moral. You're generally going to be a higher in emotional self-regulation. And then you sit there and you say, oh my God, I can't believe people, all these people panicking over COVID. It's like, well, that's because you're a smart person. So you can look at risk. You can assess risk intelligently. You can manage your own emotions. You don't just panic in general. But lower IQ people panic more. They, they can't assess the information as well. Just think of something you're bad at, and that's them with what you're good at. This is basic empathy, right? Basic empathy, which is to recognize that the vast majority of people are not like you. They're not like you. They're not like me. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a guy who's uh, six foot eight, yeah, he recognizes that the vast majority of people are not as tall as he is. <laughs> so he doesn't get too annoyed when there's a low doorway because it's like the world is not built for me, right? The world's not built for you. It's not built for me. A woman told me she gets mad at men who reject her for short-term sex. She knows she would leave the interaction after a few times. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There is uh, almost nothing more humiliating for a woman than than to be rejected for short-term sex. And we'll sort of get into that, right? No-fault divorce, welfare, and abortion are the real problem. No, the state is the problem. The state is the problem. 
you're all trying to manage the effects of slavery without recognizing that slavery is the problem. You said men who've slept with more than one woman are also complicit in this. Yeah. I didn't say you were responsible for the women sleeping around. I'm just saying you're exploiting the state the same way the women are, and then you're mad at the women for exploiting the state. I once slept with a single mom, and like a sign from God, ten reasons to not date single mothers appeared at my feet. Oh, that's mine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women also sleep around because of the education system destroying the female role in a society. Uh, I'm, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, MGTOWs cry about women wanting the 10%, while they're oblivious that men do the same thing with women. Everybody wants the most attractive per. Of course they do, right? Women want the 10%, which is why uh, models are beautiful, right? At least until recently. I wish I was on the right side of the bell curve, laugh out loud, and probably middle left. I would doubt that. I would have married most of the women I've slept with. They didn't want to marry me. Well, but this is why individuation is so good. Like, this is why individuation and and thoroughly and deeply and honestly being yourself is so good. Because you are unique. You are a unique snowflake. You are not the all-singing, all-dancing crap of the universe. You are unique. So if somebody loves you and you're genuinely yourself, you are absolutely irreplaceable to them. You know, like there's this cliche, like the girls, the woo, you know, the woo girls, right? And they, you know, they're constantly making mistakes. And, you know, they're just they're cliches, right? They're, they're empty-headed cliches, right? And you can find this in, in a variety. There's other cliched women, right? There are the, the, the tough uh, nose ring, uh, tattooed, spiky-haired, blue rinse girls. There is uh, the, um, uh, the women who, who push forward their figure first and foremost to distract you from their lack of personality there are you know there's lots of cliched women right lots of cliched women out there and lots of cliched men too and so if you're just some hot guy you know like if you watch the paris hilton documentary she dates this guy uh, and and why why does she date him because he's handsome and he's got nice hair right that's it and you see the guy she's dated before they all look like the same guy so just keeps choosing the same guy just for their looks well of course that's the trap that she's in because she's made her money from her looks and therefore, she simply has to choose men by their looks. She can't choose them by anything deeper because that would destroy her own brand in her own mind and cause a collapse of her financial empire and so on. And she would actually end up being a person who did some reasonable good in the world rather than training young girls to not eat. But anyway, um, so she's just choosing guys who, who, who look good rather than choosing them for their, their virtues, right? So these guys, well, they're handsome guys. Uh, they all have the same haircut and they look good on her arm, I guess, and, and they look good together and it's the Instagram, oh, we look good together and, and so on, right? That's, eh, who cares, right? What does that matter when your baby's spitting up for the third time that night, right? doesn't mean anything. So, if you thoroughly become yourself, like, you can go lots of places on the internet. I, you can't go any place like this. <laughs> I can guarantee you. That's why I think everybody who's not here is fundamentally crazy. Like, what do you what do you got something better to do than figure out life, the universe, and everything? Come on. So, if you're absolutely, completely, and totally yourself, honest about yourself, authentic with yourself, you think for yourself, you've come to your own conclusions, and you're a good person based upon your standards and reasonable objective standards rather than just some crap that the government tells you to, well, then you're irreplaceable. You're irreplaceable. You have a monopoly of one on 
authentically who you are. The more you blend into the general culture, the general malaise, and the general nonsense, then the more replaceable you are. So if the women wouldn't want to marry you, it's because they can find another you, right? If you have one favorite restaurant and you're driving to go and see it, and it's, that's the only restaurant that there is, right? There's a restaurant I went to once with my family called, it used, it's gone now, it's called Sirocco, and it was in Palm Springs, I think. It's a fantastic restaurant. My daughter absolutely loved it. They gave little tastes. In, I don't normally eat expensive stuff, but they gave little tastes in between the uh, like uh, palate cleansers and so on. And there was this big um, round thing with all these various crust, crusted gem-like sugars for like your coffees and all that kind of stuff. My daughter loved that stuff. She was very little. She was actually quite heartbroken when Sirocco turned into a pretty bad. I think it turned into a pretty bad seafood place. But anyway, so if you're going to some restaurant that's unique right? And you're going out for that special dinner, right? Maybe it was the restaurant that you proposed to your wife in or whatever, right? And if you, if you miss the exit, then you turn around because there's only one of those restaurants, right? You got to go to that restaurant. You want to go to that restaurant. However, if you just want to go to a McDonald's and you're in a big city and you miss the exit, do you turn around? No, you just wait for the next McDonald's because there's another one. It's going to be pretty much the same as the last one. So the more unique you are, the more you can sustain love right? The more genuinely you are yourself, then the more people can attach to you. So if the women didn't want to marry you, it probably had to do with the fact that you weren't as yet fully yourself and you were replaceable. Now, of course, women with the social media and stuff, like there's always something better coming around. But nonetheless, if you are truly and genuinely yourself, people will love you and they will hate you. They'll rarely be indifferent. And when they bond with you, they bond with you for good. Before the welfare state, women could keep an aspirin between their knees. Yeah, yeah, birth control is 10 cents. Just keep the dime, right? Like you can't flip her over. Anyway. All right. If someone added to the problem of the welfare state, how does one redeem themselves? Well, let's spread the truth, spread virtue. That's all we can do to redeem ourselves. I was not a perfect man, of course, throughout my life. And so let's see here. Is feminism a government program? Um, so, uh, so, I mean, f- feminism is, is a Marxist program. Uh, obviously, you guys know, know all of this, right? And uh, it is designed to, um, to dumb down the population by having smart women dislike men and having smart men dislike women. Libertarianism does that with the men, men to women by blaming them for the welfare state, right? All right. Steph, your Easter video was some of your best work. You're changing the world for the better. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think it's also important. So the Easter video I did on Friday, I was very happy with it. I want to do a whole Bible series. I don't want to, like, totally rip off Jordan Peterson but because I thought about it a while back ago. But um, it is – I appreciate that. It's very kind. I also want people to know that I can sort of get emotional and, and cry and, and, you know, I'm back here doing the show and it's not like some big destabilizing event or whatever. Like, I have a lot of trouble with being myself. Relationships feel inauthentic. Well, um, that's because you were punished for being yourself when you were a child and you're avoidant. I completely understand that. What do you think about mask requirements at gyms? Is there anywhere else worse to wear a muzzle in? Uh, <laughs> so much I could talk about with that. All right. Why are so many people unfavorable of you these days? I haven't found any valid criticisms. All I found is obscure is odd critiques of UPB. So uh, I will tell you, uh, we'll get back to the women thing. So people are critical of me in general uh, because I oppose the accumulation of power that people want, and uh, more fundamentally, more foundationally, uh, it's because there are people around in this world, as you know, who want to prey on children. And what do I do? I 
stand up for the rights of children. And when those children become adults, I say that they should be honest about their issues with their family. And if you've really preyed on children in a pretty horrible way, you really don't want that to happen now, do you? So you can just try and discredit me to keep me from doing that or keep people from listening to that, right? Marxism is matriarchal. Um, yeah, I think so, in that everything which is focused on equality of outcome is matriarchal, for sure. Are you still doing call-in shows? I certainly am. I certainly am. All right, so um, having value for existing is something that we don't really understand as men. And also, having something which will automatically gain us massive amounts of attention. I mean, let me ask you guys this. I mean, a lot of guys here, right? So let me ask you guys this. How do you... How do you go and get someone to buy you dinner? Let's say I gave you a mission that you have to go out tomorrow and you have to get someone to buy you dinner. And you're a guy. How do you do that? Then you can put your answers here. I will, um, I will, I'll, I will read them. But this is, it's an interesting thought exercise, right? How, and forget, like, forget the pandemic and all that. How... And I know I'm going to get a bunch of jokes, right? And that's fine. But how do you get someone to buy you dinner? It's a big question, right? <laughs> At gunpoint, <laughs> turn on your charm. Dancing. Bow, bow, bow. Showing my boobs. I think you're right. I think you can live without my 54-year-old man boobs. All right. Yeah, how do you? How do you get someone to buy you dinner as a man? You'd have to do a job for them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah or you'd, you'd have to, I don't know, offer to invest in their company or, or whatever it is, right? So that's an interesting question, right? So if you ask men, how do you get someone to buy you dinner? Or if you want to make it easier, like back in the day, uh, how, would you get, how would you get someone to buy you drink, a drink at a bar? How would you get someone to buy you a drink at a bar? How, how do you know? And it's a big question, right? Now, if you ask a woman, how do you get someone tomorrow to buy you dinner? It's pretty easy. Again, pre-pandemic and all of that, right? It's pretty easy. Uh, you, go, you go to a bar, you, you go out for coffee, uh, whatever it is. You say, I'm hungry to some guy uh, that you're flirting with. And uh, yeah, you, you get a free dinner, right? How do you get someone to buy you a drink? How do you get someone to buy you dinner? How do you get someone to pay for a movie? Low-cut top. That's right. That's right. Low-cut top, right? No, it, it is just, it's a tough question, but I want to I wanna really, really understand what it's like for women when they're young, right? When they're young, right? Just have to stand at the bar if you're a woman, right? Some guy will come and buy you a drink, right? Me personally, as a man, dancing would be my best bet. Oh, man, I used to rip up the dance floor when I was a teenager. I, used to, I started going to clubs when I was 15 years old, and... Uh, I was, a, I was a good-looking young man, let me tell you that. And, um, yeah, I would go to Nuts and Bolts and dance till, like, 2 in the morning. This is back when they actually had to serve food, so when you would, you'd pay 5 bucks to go in, but you actually made a really good burger, believe it or not, at that uh, disco. Man, it was amazing. But it was really weird, too, and I didn't understand this too much later. At this Nuts and Bolts dance place, they used to play these most astonishingly brutal scenes from horror movies, just looped. And, of course, they were trying to uh, make people nihilistic because it would enhance... Um, uh, sexual, like the sense of danger gives you the R-selected sexual stuff, right? Um, jailbait Steph. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. 
I know a very attractive woman, and she said gifts would just show up at her house. Yeah. 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 Genuinely stumped, right? My girlfriend works as a waitress and constantly has customers offering to buy her drinks or food. She declines, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know. Now, let's go. Let's go further, right? If I gave you a mission, not that I would, right? And it wouldn't matter even if I did. You're more free will, right? But if I gave you a mission and I said to you, go and get someone to commit to giving you 90% of their money, what would you do? Go and, without working for them, right? Go and find someone who's going to give you 90% of their income going forward. Or even half. Even half their income. Isn't that wild? Or, here's another one. If I say to a woman, your mission is to go and get a man to ask you out on a date. Right. Don't ask the man out on a date, but have the man ask you out on a date. Most women would be able to go and achieve that. Again, I'm not saying do it or anything. I'm just saying theoretically, it's a mind exercise, right? Now, if I say to you as a man, you've got to return here tomorrow night at what it is, 9 o'clock. You've got to return here tomorrow night, and a woman has to have asked you out on a date. And you didn't ask her. She's got to have asked you out on a date. You wouldn't be able to do it, right? wouldn't be able to do it. And that's, that's the different world that women live in. That's the world that women live in when they're young, right? That men are constantly paying attention to them. They want to ask them out. And, and a lot of times it's simply based on looks and it's based on lust. Looks and lust, right? Looky lusty, right? Looks lusty. That's two five-letter words, right? And we don't, we don't know what that's like. We don't understand what that's like. But if you did understand what that was like, and, you know, you can meditate on it. And, like, I've always been told as a novelist, and um, FDR URL, no, just freedomainnft.com, freedomainnft.com, you can see my novels. I've always been told that I write very good female characters, and that's because I've really meditated on this stuff since I was a teenager and had conversations about this kind of stuff. This is like... You know, this is uh, close to 40 years in the brewing, right? Just to understand what it's like to be a woman and have something between your legs that men are chasing you around the block for, that men wake up for, that men buy cars for, that men buy suits for, that men get haircuts for, that men have careers for, that you're sitting on a magic golden chamber between your legs. And I, I'm not saying it's all about sex or just about sex, but, you know, that's kind of what the dating thing is, is all about. It's what the marriage thing is all about. So it's the one thing that's monogamous, right, in, in a marriage. The sexuality is monogamous, right? You're only supposed to have one sexual partner, your husband, your wife. Other people can watch your kids. You can be friends with other people. You can change jobs. You can move houses. But the one thing that's got to remain the golden contract is sexual exclusivity, right? And... We don't, as men, we're constantly chasing, right? We're constantly trying to puff ourselves up. We're constantly trying to earn more, show more, have more abs, have better hair, have whatever, a nicer car, have, you know, some, and, and we're constantly hunting. We don't know what it's like to be on the other side of the equation. But if you really want to understand women, understand what it's like to be on the other side of the equation, to be in demand. It's mind-bending. 
to men. Like, it, it, meditate on this. Like, <laughs> sit in the corner and feel like a woman, right? But, but meditate on this. It's really, really important to understand. We don't know what that's like. I mean, okay, there may be like a few guys who are like big in demand and all that kind of stuff, but, but they're not in demand in the way that the hot women are in demand. Because a man who's in demand is the woman will try to attract him, but she's probably not going to go up and ask him out, right? She's probably not going to go up and, um, and ask him out. So sitting on the golden treasure, sitting on the golden magnet, sitting on, you know, the fiat currency of the central banking of Cooch, right? I mean, that's, it, it is a money machine. It is a, you know, that, that old, um, I always thought about that old James Brown, you know, step back, I kiss myself. Actually, I saw him live once right before I went to go and work up north. It's a really bad show, by the way. He was really, really not very interesting. He played the theme from The Love Boat. It was just terrible. Anyway, but uh, James Brown, shake your money maker, right? Shake your money maker. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Like the ass, the, 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 the vagina, and so on. That is what men will, you know, start wars over. We'll, we'll give up resources, 90% of their money, and, and, and so on, right? So being in possession of that kind of demand is something that if you want to understand women, you have to, have to, have to understand what it's like to be chased, to be pursued, you could say to be hunted or whatever it is, right? <coughs> it's really tough. It's a, it, I know, oh, I'd love to be in that kind of demand. It's like, I, I don't know that you would, man. I, I don't know. It's like being famous. Like, I like being jazz famous where people will come up to me, uh, you know, a couple of times a month and say, hey, man, I love your show, like back when I could be out. But, you know, I would hate to be like, I don't know, whoever, Ryan Gosling famous where you just can't leave the hotel room or whatever. That's just that's awful, right? And so to be that much in demand is really tough. See, for a woman... You want to make yourself as attractive as possible while, re while rejecting most men, right? It's a really complicated thing that women have to manage, right? You want to make yourself as attractive as humanly possible because you want to attract the very highest quality man that you can, but that's going to attract all these other men too. So you have to have, you know, the RBS, right, the resting bitch face. You have to appear unfriendly in public so that only a very confident man will come up and approach you, and less confident men will Elizabeth Hurley had this down to a fine art, where she just looked down her regal nose at people trying to get her attention because she was all that and a slice of bread, right? And so you want to attract male attention, and you want to reject most men. That is a very complicated scenario, a very complicated situation. And, you know, you've all seen these, these uh, very obvious skits, right? What, what happens is there's a woman at a bar and some average-looking guy comes up and does exactly the same thing, comes up and he's confident, he chats with them, and they're like, ew, what a creep, you know? And then some really good-looking guy comes up, does exactly the same thing, and like, oh, I love his confidence, you know? Like, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, that's, you know, but it's just, no, no. They want the very top-tier, top-shelf men, which means they have to look fantastic. But, but they're going to spend most of their youth rejecting men as being unworthy of a relationship with them, right? So understand that. So we don't, we don't experience this as men. We don't experience this. We have a fundamental sense of space around us as men that even if we're the most attractive man in the bar, women aren't going to be swarming us. 
Women aren't going to be offering us their phone numbers generally. Generally, right? Uh, women are going to be passively, like the Venus flytrap, I mean, maybe not the best analogy, but women are going to be passively making themselves look as good as possible to attract the men. Men, however attractive you are, if you're a super attractive man, you can go out and have a night out and a woman will not bother you. She might give you a little bit of eye here and there. She might flip some hair. She's not going to bother you. You're not going to wolf us at you on the street. But if you're an attractive woman and you go out, you cannot be unbothered by men, for the most part, right? And that is something that is, it's tough. Women want to look fantastic, but it draws 99% unwanted attention, right? It's really complicated. It's very messy, right? It's very messy, right? Penis flytrap. <laughs> That's right. Should be an obvious. Um, what's the difference between flirting and sexual harassment? Uh, you don't flirt at work, guys. Don't do it. Um, don't do it. No, nothing wrong with flirting. I think flirting is, is wonderful, right? Uh, so. No, and so when I first met my wife, we actually ended up going out accidentally, right? Because we were on a volleyball team and like 20 years ago. And the whole volleyball team was supposed to go out for, for dinner, uh, but a bunch of people canceled, and my wife and I ended up going out alone. Just had a fantastic evening, just magical, wonderful. And uh, I was going to ask her out anyway, but she enjoyed the evening so much that she really had to, uh, hands shaking, she's like, I really enjoyed it. It would be nice if we could do it again. You know, she didn't want to ask me out because, you know, that's, you know, it was tough for her, right? It was tough for her, right? And um, it was just great. It was just great. So... A best a man might get I effed by a chick from across the club. Um, my uncle once said to me, how do you and your dad do that? That's insane. I said, what? He said, the cashier was drooling over you. Yes, but you see, if as a man, you're a very attractive man, if you... You, you, can, you can sail through life quote, unmolested, right? Because the woman's, she's going to try and attract you. She's going to flirt with you, but she's not going to bother you. She's not going to say, hey, you want to go out Friday and be persistent and be annoying or whatever it is, right? So uh, it's, you know, we, we have we have a personal space and a um, untouchability, so to speak, that is just not the case for, for women, right? If a woman asks you out, is she a keeper? <laughs> See, you want me to give you an answer like I can answer that? No, I don't know. She could be completely insane. I have no sense of social boundaries, right? I don't know. You know look, look for virtue. There's not some little trick or tip, you know? <laughs> One weird trick that finds you a perfect wife, you know? I wouldn't even notice that level of attention. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly happened. I don't want to sort of brag or anything because it was just accidental looks, right? But I remember being in, um, being about, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. Uh, and I, I was uh, a swimmer, right? I was on the swim team and I was very lean and, and muscular and all of that. And, you know, big full head of um, aha hair. And uh, I've always had really, I think, good facial features. And I just, yeah, I remember women, uh, you know, sorry, women, girls uh, at this. Um, I went to a, a summer camp. And the girls you know, ogling and making comments about me and all that kind of stuff. And But I knew that they were never going to come and ask me out. So I still had that kind of <laughs> distance or whatever, right? Also can't tell men that persistence and confidence work and then get mad when they continue to approach. You see, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Um, because you're trying to take a male standard and apply it to a woman, and that's just going to make you unhappy. They're different. Look, you don't want another man with tits, right? 
I mean, just don't. Because viva la difference, right? I mean, you want to enjoy the differences that women bring to the table, so to speak, right? So you're saying, well, you, you can't ask a man to do all the work uh, and then claim sexual misconduct. And, and you, can't, you can't say that you, you value persistence and get mad. At, yes, you can, because <laughs> you're a woman. <laughs> please, please, I'm on my knees begging you to understand this, right? I'm begging you to understand. Well, that seems contradictory. Why would she make herself so attractive and then be annoyed that men would approach her? It's like, because she's, she wants 1% of men to approach her. She wants 1% of men to approach her. Come on. I mean, <laughs> it's like if you, if, look, let's say that you have some uh, pickup baseball camp, right? And it's really important. You're a very competitive guy. It's really important that you win, right? And then all of these people who can't play come by. Would you be annoyed? Yes, you would be annoyed. Well, you can't just say you have an open game and then just be annoyed when people come by. Yes, you can. Because it's not about playing. It's about winning. <laughs> the sexual marketplace is not about playing. It's about winning. Come on. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you, you're, you're a, you've got some great job that you want people to, to work. Uh, it's a, a massively high-paying job and lots of prestige and lots of status and a car allowance and all this kind of crap. And, and then you get like a thousand applicants and then... You say no to 9,999 of them because you're in a choosing position, right? And then all these people write to you and say, well, you, you can't just advertise for a job and then just reject everyone. Yeah, you can. <laughs> because it's a seller's market, right? So you, you really do have to understand this stuff. You, you, you do it as men too. Please don't, don't put the hypocrisy stuff on women. Don't put the double standard stuff on women. Men absolutely do it as well and you can think about a million examples in your own uh, in your own life where you do this kind of stuff right you can't have a philosophy server and just get annoyed when somebody comes by just asking questions right 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 yeah i'm i'm sure that you can think of of let's throw out some more uh, lemons i'm sure that you can think of things in 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 your life where it's like some woman could say to you right like, you know, you, you can say to women, oh, you want a guy who's like uh, really, really successful and, and a cold-hearted competitor in the resources, but then you complain that he's not emotionally available. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's sort of like saying to a woman, well, you know, my God, I mean, you, you, you dressed to the nines when you were dating, and now, you know, that we've got three kids and you're breastfeeding, you're, you're in sweatpants, you know. You used to do makeup. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's not a contradiction. She's already got you. Now, I'm not saying you let yourself go or anything like that, but if you're going to expect the same level of personal appearance tending later on in the marriage as opposed to early in the marriage, come on, right? I mean, or or you want guys like, I want a, I want a hot librarian who, you know, she takes off her glasses and she's just stunning. I want a woman who's totally hot but doesn't even have any clue how hot she is. And it's like... But that's like saying, a woman saying, well, I want a guy who's really, really wealthy, but he has no idea what he has in his bank account. <laughs> Come on, right? Um, and listen, if the lady's here, you tell me where I'm going astray, man. I don't ask a woman out more than two times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't keep asking women out. No, absolutely not. No. Uh, at this point, I'm too fat to approach attractive women, especially at the gym. Well, maybe not if you own the gym. Um... So, yeah, this thing where you try and catch uh, women in some sort of contradiction or hypocrisy, it's like, uh, it's about winning. It's not about consistency, right? Uh, you don't want a man with tits. Well, I certainly wouldn't want one without them. All right. <laughs> um, let's see here. 
Uh, this woman says, I remember a couple of guys saying I was attractive and my demeanor was stuck up right next to me, had to manage the situation. Yeah, so what they're doing is they're trying a mating strategy, right? So, I mean, you can see black guys doing this sometimes too, right? Which is like they'll ask out a woman who's not black, right? Maybe she's East Asian or maybe she's white or whatever. And the woman might not find the guy attractive or not like him or whatever. And then they say, oh, you're, you, you won't date me because you're racist, right? Well, that's a dating strategy, right? Which is to try and get the woman to go out with him by claiming racism, right? It's just a, a resource acquisition strategy, so to speak, right? And so when men complain that the woman is attractive but stuck up, then what they're trying is to get you to be not stuck up to them so that they can dazzle you with their verbal talents and hopefully get you into bed uh, by sophistry, right? It's just, it's not a criticism in some objective moral <laughs> standard, right? Any more than, than calling, you know, if, if Georgia puts in a voter ID law, uh, they don't, it's not racist in any way, shape or form. It's just that it interferes with power and the best way to stop it it interferes with cheating in elections, and the best way to stop that interference in the cheating of elections is to call it racist, right? I mean, it's not like there is some objective thing. And so when when a guy says, uh, you know, you seem kind of stuck up or smile, you know, you, he's just trying to get you to lower your standards and, and include him in your list of potential mates so that he can, right, dazzle, dazzle this stuff, right? Nothing wrong with it. Let's see here. Uh, arguably men look better with age. It can happen for sure. You're not wrong about anything regarding women, uh, says this woman. You're dead on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, right? And yeah, you, so you can manipulate a woman into going out with you uh, or at least listening to you, but it's not going to, uh, right? If a woman doesn't respond to an offer for a date with I'm busy, how about another time? Asking once is sufficient. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's fair. So, un understanding this. Now, this, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch. So, the tortoise and the hare refers to men and women. So, women get this massive glory and, and outpouring of attention and, and lust for them and, and attraction to them and pursuit of them and so on. And they are, you know, they are in the director's chair, man. They are, they are the CEO of, of the golden chest, right? And that's a lot of power when you're young. Right. And, and knowing that women don't that young people don't handle power really w well at all. Like, you know, there's that scene in, um, oh, that Sony movie about North Korea where the guy says, you know, like I basically inherited an entire country without earning it. Like, how sane do you expect me to be, says the actor playing the dictator. Right. So it's generally well understood that young people don't handle power very well. And so women have just an enormous amount of power, which generally has historically been tempered by their elders in terms of males and females, like the mothers, grandmothers, fathers, grandfathers, and so on, moderating and managing this immense power. This happens in the Islamic community with arranged marriages and the fact that a woman has to have four male, four male relatives uh, back up a claim of rape and so on. And so it is... Um, uh, it is a lot of power, and, and power corrupts, right? So, so what we've done, of course, in the modern world, and some of it's good. I'm not saying it's all bad, or some of it's good, some of it's bad, some mixed bag. What we've done in the modern world is we've let women have the full flood of the power of sexual attraction, being sexually attractive, romantically attractive. We've let women have the full power without parental wisdom or grandparental wisdom and without consequences for bad decisions, right? So we've given young women, immense power, 
liberated them from any restraint or any consequences, right? So, you know, that old line uh, from As Good As It Gets, where the woman says to the writer, uh, played by Jack Nicholson, uh, how do you write women so wonderfully? He's like, well, I think of a man, I take away reason and accountability. And, well, so, yeah, accountability is the welfare state, right? So the welfare state has has divorced uh, almost literally women from the consequences of bad decisions. If a woman chose the wrong guy to date, right, then uh, if he impregnated her and left her, which was tougher to do when there was less mobility in society, but if he impregnated her and left her, then she's stuck with the baby and the parents have to raise it and no man's going to marry her and it's a complete life disaster. So she grits her teeth, she crosses her legs, she goes away from the sexy guy with the tattoos and the motorbike and, you know, the Marlon Brando line in The Wild One where the woman says, uh, what, are you, what are you rebelling against? And he's like, what do you got? <laughs> Give me something, I'll rebel. So she's got to go away from the, the sexy bad boy and she's got to go to a bit more of a stable and maybe a bit more dull and whatever predictable kind of guy because that's what's better for her kids and so on. And so we've, we've handed this massive supernova of power to young women because we've divorced them from parental feedback and we have divorced them from natural consequences for bad romantic or sexual decisions, particularly... Um, you know, like reproductive intercourse decisions, right? And so nobody handles power. I couldn't handle that kind of power. You couldn't handle that kind of power. And this is how you really destroy a society is you provide people immense power without feedback or consequences. And so for women, they don't know. And it's really been hidden from them. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. And t somebody tell me if I've missed this, right? Tell me a story where it's the story arc of a woman who slept around a lot when she was younger and has absolutely bitter regrets at being childless and alone in her 50s. Have you seen that story anywhere in the media? If you have, please let me know. I'm, I'm talking from the West. I mean, this probably occurred in other cultures and so on. But this used to be a very big staple. I took a, an entire full year course on the rise of the novel, including Victorian novels, which were very much around. You know, the bloom is off the rose. You, you've got to choose young or you're going to end up alone. Have you ever seen a story where a woman sleeps around, has lots of boyfriends, and ends up bitter, alone, isolated, miserable, and unhappy in her 50s? Have you ever seen that? You haven't. So all of that stuff gets hidden. I've done actually a whole video, which I haven't released called the story of women over 40, right? Because there's this whole thing in society where they say, well, women just become invisible over 40 and nobody cares about them and they just they can pass through society. Nobody looks up. No, Well, no, not if they've, if, they've got mar if they've married, they've had kids. They're not invisible. They're not invisible to their husband. They're not invisible to their kids. They're not invisible to their grandkids as they come along. They're totally, this is a, they're a much beloved matriarch in a centrally tribalistic love orgy of Joy and connection. <laughs> They're not, right? But a woman who squanders her youth and beauty on trashy relationships with trashy men, and then she's like 40 or 45 or whatever, and 50, and, and men don't care, men won't date her. Or, or men may date her, but suddenly, instead of being getting a 30-year-old, she's getting a 70-year-old who just wants a nurse, right? And that's a pretty, pretty rough thing for a woman to flip, you know, 40 years in the men she can attract, seemingly overnight. So the, the, the consequences of aging out of that power 
And men don't age out of their power. We men start poor and grow rich. As you know, women start rich and grow poor. We age into greater and greater power. So for a man in his 40s and in his 50s, peak earning years, uh, your health is still pretty good, you're strong, you're smart, you've got resources and savings, and you know, assuming you've got some reasonable career arc or you've saved your money or whatever, right? Um, you know, not seen on a bus over the age of 30, God help you, right? So we don't know at all the power that women have. We don't get it. We don't fundamentally understand the power that women have when they're young because we're chasing and they're choosing, right? Similarly, though, we don't, when we're older, understand how utterly desolate and godforsaken a single woman's life is post-40. You know the FOMO, fear of missing out, that she's got a half century of regret looking back and saying, and, and the anger, right? The anger and the bitterness, right? This is why you, you sleep with women, you're, just, you're, you're wrecking society. Like if, if you just sleep around with women, um, you think you're screwing women, you're screwing society, you're screwing your future, you're screwing your entire civilization. You just don't do it, man. Find a woman, commit, and settle down. And I say this not myself, having been saintly pure of these misdeeds in the past, but we make amends by learning better and communicating. Don't blame women if you're sleeping around. Don't blame women if you're having sex with women and not committing to them if you're using them as a four-limbed masturbatory device, Joe Rogan-style fleshlight, but with a hairdo. Just, I mean, you can get mad at women if you want, but if you've slept with a woman with no intention of pursuing a longer-term committed relationship, then you're as much to blame as anybody else and, and blaming women for your misdeeds. Because... A woman can go further up in the pecking order if she's willing to just have sex, as I mentioned earlier. But that power empties out women. The power of the V-bomb, right? The V-cannon. Men get blown away, so to speak, right? We also don't know the humiliation of being used sexually. We don't know it as men because we're generally eager to be used sexually, so to speak, right? So we, we don't know what that's like. So for a man, because we lie to women, right? Men, we lie to women. We don't say, well, I don't like you, but you're hot, so I'll just have sex with you. We're like, oh, I really like you, and, and you know, we really get along, and you pretend to be interested, and, and you, you care, you learn her the name of her cats, and so I mean, all you want is to have sex with her. You don't really like her, right? So you're lying to her. You're lying to her, and you're pretending that you like her, and then you get sex, and then you move on, right? And... The wreckage that you leave in your wake is bone-chilling. It's bone-chilling. You need to circle back. You can look these. You can look old girlfriends up on social media. See, you don't stalk anyone, right? You look and see how they're doing. Did you harm these women? Because if you lied to a woman about liking her just to get sex, then you've really damaged her. And listen, I say this with sympathy. We've all been lied to. We've all been propagandized and so on. But you have really, really harmed that woman. How is she going to trust men? How is she going to pair bond? Is she going to view sexuality as a trap that humiliates her? Was it sadistic in a way? Are you getting back at mom? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever, right? But we don't know that humiliation that comes from someone lying to you 
I mean, the only thing I can think is that if you, let's say you have a lot of money and some guy completely lies to you in order to get you to invest in his company and then just screws off with the money, right? Just goes to Tahiti and, and blows all the money. And, and you realize he never thought you were some business genius. He never had a good business idea. He just re was relying on your vanity and stupidity. And you just ran off with all your money. You, you get how humiliating that would be and how you, that would be a walk of shame, right? Or let's say you've got a lot of money and a lot of connections and, you know, some guys really claim to like you, but only because you, you take them on your private plane to some exotic island, uh, not FCNE. Uh, and, and, you know, the moment that you're out of favor or the moment that you have to tighten your belt a little, they just don't return your calls. And, and you realize they were just using you for your money. That's something close, but that's not nearly as much because your wallet is not inside your body, right? I hope not anyway. <laughs> I guess unless it's your 12-word Bitcoin thing or whatever, right? So so don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Find a woman. It's, it's bad for you, for sure, but I, it, it's much worse for women than it is for men. Uh, somebody said, woman says, I'm a victim. Oh, I think it's a woman says, I'm a victim of being used for sex. I mean, isn't that horrible? Somebody says, I mean, I've done that before. I actually slept with a woman and told her up front I didn't like her. <sighs> oh, my God, man, you are really dicing with the bunny boilers there. Holy crap. Holy crap. Uh, in a future video, could you also share your thoughts on a wife who was divorced in her 70s when she has been a mother and grandmother? No, because not really much information. Um, yeah, man, if a woman will sleep with you even after you've told her she doesn't like you, you are, you are sticking your dick into a blender, man. You are really, really dicing. Do not do that. Do not do that. Uh, eventually, women get jaded quickly from being abused by men cheating on them, so they can't trust anymore. Damaged goods. Yeah, absolutely. Men are routinely humiliated with rejection. I don't feel empathy for these women being used. I feel way more empathy for men that can't find love or sexual attention. That's way more damaging than being used for sex. Okay, Nick. I don't mean to be like a bee in your bonnet. You can, of course, reject everything that I'm saying. No. <laughs> no, men are not... Having a woman reject you is not humiliation. It just, all it means is she doesn't want to go out with you. Now, it could be because you're just not up to her lofty standards of virtue and morality. Or it could be because she senses your hostility to women and doesn't want to get involved with you for that. Or it could be because she's dysfunctional and looking for some trashy guy with uh, tattoos and a nose ring to beat her up on every other weekend. It could be any number. Why on earth would a woman rejecting you mean that you're humiliated? I mean... I don't understand. Every time you go to a restaurant, you're rejecting every other, every other restaurant in the neighborhood. Is that humiliating to the other restaurateurs? No, they've just got to maybe advertise, have better food, or maybe you don't like Greek and whatever, right? You know, you, you, you go for a job and, and, you know, most jobs you don't get, right? And does that mean that you're now humiliated because the person hiring rejected? No, being rejected is everything, man. Am I humiliated because I have 10% of the, the viewers I used to have? I mean, I could choose to have it that way if I want, but I like to think it's just a more intimate and quality conversation, right? Just work to be better. <laughs> I don't know why. But I don't understand why being rejected is, is humiliating. I mean, I get the feeling, like, because, you, you know, the, the greater your desire. But, man, I tell you, when you get older 
you will realize that every woman who rejected you rejected you for a very good reason. Here's a story I haven't told, told in a while. So I was attracted to my yoga teacher. I guess that almost goes without saying, right? So I used to go to a yoga class. Oh, it was a great Sunday afternoon before I was married, before I had kids. I would go for an hour and a half Ashtanga yoga. And then I would go for an hour and a half aromatherapy massage with this wonderful Japanese masseuse who just turned me into a complete putty. And, uh, you know, after, you know, three, three and a half hours. And then I, I, then I would sometimes go to a hot sauna. And it was just like, man, four hours of that. And I was just like, yeah, feeling pretty, pretty mellow. <laughs> it was really, really a nice Sunday afternoon. Anyway, so I would stay after the yoga class and I would chat with this woman and she was open to the conversation you know again I'm a charming guy and all that which was open to the conversation we'd chat but I could just never quite you know break the barrier you know like get her to walk with me out of the gym so I could chat with her and we'd go for a coffee or something like that so I would chat with her and we'd sometimes have chats you know 15-20 minutes whatever and you know she was uh, a, a smart she was doing a PhD and she also did like she also taught like I don't know 18 I think it was 18 um, fitness classes every week. So yeah, she was she was ripped, man. She was very attractive, very smart, and you know, I I went for it, right? I didn't go for it. Like I never actually asked her out because you know you kind of you you verbally sort of feel your way towards that kind of stuff and see if there's an opening. But we would sit and chat, and of course she knew what I was there for, and I knew what I was there for. But I was just not in the situation. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. So no big deal. You put your feelers out. You see what happens, and um, so I think. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it, it was after, I don't know, four or five months I'd be taking this yoga class. I was in the change room, and this guy was talking about having sex with the yoga teacher. Now, he was a good-looking guy. Don't get me wrong, he was a good-looking guy. And I wasn't particularly successful, but he was a good-looking guy, right? And I'm sure they looked great together, and I'm sure that they, you know selfie but this is a bit back before selfies or whatever right but you know i'm sure they looked in the mirror and thought don't we look good together or whatever right and so for me it was like oh say so i couldn't get her to go out with me so to speak right again i never got to the actual question thing because you you know whether that's going to work right um but i thought okay so she didn't want to go out with me but she will go out with a guy who's bragging about having sex with her to total strangers in a locker room I'm like, that's bad. That's a really bad choice on her part, right? I'm a great husband. I'm a great dad and, you know, decent provider and all, right? So so she wouldn't go out with me, so to speak. But she did chose to go out. She did choose to go out with a vapid, shallow guy who bragged about banging her in front of strangers in a gym locker room. Yuck. Yuck. Like, that, that's her standard. So do I feel rejected by this woman? Do I feel humiliated because she, I don't know, 25, 20 years ago, whatever, 25 years ago, that she wouldn't go out with me? No. I mean, I did want to go out with her, so I didn't like it that it never kind of came to be. But once I realized what kind of guy she was into, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. And thank goodness she didn't go out with me, right? So, no, it's not humiliating, right? Uh, you know, you're watching this live stream rather than the thousands of other live streams going on at the moment. Are they all supposed to feel rejected and humiliated? I don't know. I have the side of me that says sleep with every hot woman, but then I have the other side and I always listen to the latter. Of course, yeah. I mean, you've got R selected and K selected. I get it. 
<laughs> I won't read that, but that's pretty funny. I say to rep ranks. I'm a man and I was used for sex. Didn't hear <clears throat> from after that. One other friend told her she had a group of female friends doing the same. Well, <clears throat> of course. So without a doubt, women are being told to act like men. Uh, of course, absolutely. And it's absolutely terrible because we're not the same. We're not the same. There's strengths and weaknesses, right? All right. You're speaking to us as if we weren't brainwashed in our teens by the liberal media. Oh, do you mean for, for women, right? Well, yeah, I know you're brainwashed. I mean, so was I. So it's really, really important to um, uh, dispel these things, right? Incels are miserable because they think the problem is women and not themselves. Well, um, so uh, the incel thing... It's tough, right? So in cells, uh, they, they need masculine, positive masculine influence in their life, but a lot of people kind of prey on that and get them involved in some, you know, date and dump communities and stuff like that. So it's a whole other thing around the incels. But I'm a big one for, in, in the face of adversity, just try to improve. That's really all you can do. I mean, I got kicked off 95% of my audience. I didn't roll into a ball and, and I mean, just work to try and improve and, and all of that. So let's see here. We did discuss the Black Bill Height statistics two weeks ago on this live stream. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And women, as society begins to fall apart, women will be drawn towards more aggressive and cold-hearted men because they're going to need them to protect, right? For sure. For sure. Uh, do all guys size up a woman in an instant and make the, de uh, the determination in a millisecond whether they want to have sex with them? No. No, that's not the... So there's, I mean, there's a biological thing that happens where you look for fertility markers in an unconscious manner for sure. Absolutely. But um, no, it's not that determination. Um, what you do is you say, I find this person attractive, right? So with my yoga teacher, I chatted with her because I found her physically attractive. Which, you know, she was everything you could imagine a yoga teacher would be. But if she had been dumb, then... I would have still found her physically attractive, but I wouldn't have wanted to go on a date with her, right? But because she was very smart, and not, <laughs> high, high charisma, high, high intelligence, low wisdom, right? So because she was smart, I thought, okay, well, she's attractive and she's intelligent, she's well-educated, you know, maybe there's a potential here, right? So you may get an initial round of interest from a man, but he will then judge you according to the conversation from there, so... Uh, this woman says, I hope your current video helps bloom the romantic relationship between men and women. As a woman, I found your presentation very accurate. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've put a lot of thought into this, so I hope, uh, I hope that that helps. Um, I know we've had a long chat tonight, so let's see here. This one dude stayed in his uncle's condo in South Carolina, and three sororities came over to use the space because he invited them. And then while he was laying down upstairs, he heard all the women talk about the bed-busting sex with all kinds of shapes and sizes. Yeah, it could be true, could be not true. Um, when I was in high school, oh, boy, this is going back a ways. Um, yeah, I mean, two, two, two women I thought were the most attractive women in, in the entire high school. I know this sounds kind of silly, and I say this with all humility because I didn't really know what to do with it back then, but uh, they were fighting over who would get to uh, date me, and uh, I ended up going out with both of them separately uh, and... Uh, but neither one of them lasted particularly long. So, but we never had. I never had sex with any of them. 
Let's see here. Women use men all the time. They marry our resources more than us. Flipping the table is what women hate. No, but they marry our resources more than us. Well, sure. Because marrying is about children, and children need resources, and women are disabled by breastfeeding and childbearing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You're saying, well, shouldn't a woman just want to love me and, and have sex with me uh, just because of me? It's like, well, yes, but she has a responsibility because she's going to get pregnant. So she's got to think about whether she's going to have kids. You know, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is not marry for our resources. Well, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say. If you didn't have any re if your mom didn't have any resources, you'd be dead. <laughs> I mean, what are you, if you like being alive, then it's a good thing your mom got access to some resources, isn't it? I don't know. What to, are you wishing you weren't here? I don't understand. Of course, they, of course women want your resources. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh because I just don't understand the bit. Of course women want you for your resources. That's, that's why we're all alive. That's why we're not dead in a corner somewhere. Oh, my God. Um, Let's see here. If it turns out that the guy I'm seeing is using me, I'm done and will not bother with wanting to have a family. Don't let him rob you of the family and uh, ask him and just watch him very closely when he responds. You'll find the truth. All right. The pain and humiliation of not being attractive to girls in my youth coupled with the success of others led me to the TRP lifestyle. I don't know what that means. What is TRP? Um, so, so the pain and humiliation of not being attractive to girls. Okay, well... What have you done about that? Have you uh, exercised? Have you uh, worked on uh, improving your uh, perspective of, of women? Because, you know, we're, we're terrified. Like men, come on, we're terrified of women. I mean, absolutely. Women are, are terrifying. And this is the big secret, right? I mean, this is why this, this thing about the patriarchy is so funny. <laughs> women are completely and totally terrifying because uh, women get to determine whether your family line continues or not, right? Because if you say... If, if all the women around you say no to you, uh, then your family line ends and, you know, four billion years of evolution stops with you. And that's pretty brutal, right? And so uh, women, and I talked about this, you can look up my speech in Orlando from September of 2019. And, uh, yeah, women are just completely and totally terrifying. And, you know, significant proportions of men throughout human history did not reproduce. I mean, incels is not a new thing. There's a reason why they were monks, which were also, of course, the gay bars of the Middle Ages. But so recognizing that you're terrified of women and you really need something from women, which is not just that they'll sleep with you, but that they'll commit to you, that they'll raise your children well, they'll transmit the values of your culture, they won't divorce you, they won't, you know, they'll, they'll reasonably contribute to, to the work of the household and all of that, right? So, yeah, women are terrifying. I mean, this is a big secret for, right? For, for women. I don't know if it's a big secret of you women listening to this. We're terrified of you. We're completely and totally terrified of you. Absolutely, completely and totally. Because you hold the entire future of our entire bloodline in your hands, whether you say yes or no. And a man who was not scared of women, uh, a man who did not defer to women uh, in, in certain areas, would simply not survive. And those genes are long gone. Those genes are long gone. So, yeah. So is it... Be, not being attractive to girls in your youth. So I'll tell you what the real situation, the real situation is that your mom didn't want you to reproduce. So, and, and I would assume you come from a single mother household. So single mothers are brutal on their son's reproductive chances. They don't groom, they groom, I don't say groom their sons. They don't teach their sons how to be attractive to uh, women. They don't teach their sons to, to exercise and, and to um, develop some verbal fluidity, develop a sense of humor and charm and anything like that. 
right? And so um, I wrote about this in my novel, The God of Atheists, which you can get for free at fdrurl.com slash tgoa, The God of Atheists, fdrurl.com forward slash tgoa. But um, yeah, it's like a depressing metronome that goes down, right? Uh, which is, you know, uh, two parents, one parent, no children, like no no parents for the next generation. So it is, um, uh, it, it, what you're mad at is you're mad at your parents for not preparing you on the methodology on how to be attractive to women. A lot of single moms have been so scarred by their sexuality and by being abandoned and brutalized by men and, and uh, ignored by men uh, after they have a kid. And they're so shocked and appalled at the loss of their sexual market value that happens when they have a child even with all the propaganda of go raise other men's children that's all over the media these days, right? Biracial relationships, raise another man's child, it's all over the place, uh, vastly out of proportion to the actual situation. But um, uh, the women are traumatized by sexuality and they simply have no, uh, no, no desire or capacity to train their sons into how to be attractive to the opposite sex because being attractive was such a disaster for them, for the moms, right? All right, let's see here. But I knew as early as 14 I was not going to have kids. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. That's a real shame. But don't you enjoy your life? Don't you want to pay that gift forward that four billion years of evolution happened to give you? It seems a bit selfish to me. Would you say all women after 65 become incels? No, of course not. Not happily married women. Sex life into your 60s is great for most, most older people. Let's see here. Never trust people in general, men or women. Eh, these abstractions don't really matter. Just the only thing you have to decide is with regards to individuals. But I'm too old to start over with someone new. I'm going to be 35 in two months. It doesn't mean you're too old. It doesn't mean you're too old. You can freeze your eggs, of course, right? Also, your analysis of Arthur and Penny Fleck from The Joker delved deep into this point that it's the women's choices for supporting bad men. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it would be nice if there weren't so many bad men for women to support. It's really an oversimplification to assume incels are just people with no social skills or super beta. <laughs> it's so funny, Nick, that you would complain about oversimplification while completely oversimplifying <laughs> my point. Projection much? <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, you're absolutely, uh, sorry, Tilo said, uh, you're absolutely right about what you said about my parents not preparing me to be attractive. I'm pretty messed up about it. Well, you should be angry. Yeah, you should be angry. It's, it's the parent's job to make sure to raise a child that's attractive to the opposite sex or to whatever sex they want to be attractive to, right? So it, it, it is your, as a parent, it is your job to raise a child that is going to be attractive to a partner, to the opposite sex. And if you don't do that, you're you're a you're a you're a really bad parent. Like I'm sorry to be honest. Like I, I got to be frank with you, you're a really bad parent, because in the competition for romantic partners, for marriage partners, you have crippled your children and you're damning them to a life of masturbatory loneliness and isolation. You have to have to have to invest in your children to help them be attractive and also how to judge good or bad romantic partners to keep them safe and attractive in the dating market is foundational uh, my parents didn't prepare me for dating i don't remember them taking any interest in that i'm sorry for that too that's that's a terrible thing that is very very abusive it's very abusive i mean if if your children if you're if you're a parent and you overfeed your kids and they're bloated and, and 
horrible and huge physically, right, and, and bad health, it's, they're unattractive. But if you don't even teach them how to be attractive, how to be charming, how to talk to, you know, the opposite sex or whatever, I mean, it, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible what you're doing. What's with the seemingly sudden rise of transgenderism over the past 10 years? Oh, it's just part of the general propaganda and emasculation and stuff. Let's see here. That isn't projection. That is a summary of what you said. There's a character limit. limit. <laughs> I guess, Nick, you didn't really listen to my earlier speech about what if you didn't have any excuses, right? Uh, right. Why is everyone ashamed of being an incel when 80% of us are, as women only choose the top 20%? Well, just... God, aim to be the top 20%. I don't, like, so there's a lot of competition. My God. You know, um, The Face Win, No Girlfriend, that documentary. I mean, there's none of those guys that couldn't be attractive. None of those guys that couldn't be attractive. But you have to, look, I hate to say it, man. You have to find a way to love women, even if women have hurt you. You have to find a way to respect and admire and love what women bring to the table. And if it's just sex, well, then you won't get a woman of quality because no woman of quality wants to be used for where she isn't, right? You understand the vagina as a whole is where the woman isn't by design. It's an absence, right? Can't screw a man there because he's got skin and flesh and bone there, but it's where a woman isn't, right? So you, you have, if you have a... And listen, I know this from personal experience. If you had a bad mother, then you have to recognize that that's not femininity. That's not women as a whole. And although women are going to think very differently than you because they have different attributes, different experiences, different levels of power, different times in their life, and a lot of propaganda is focused on women, you have to find a way to love, respect, and treasure what a woman can bring to the table. And that's tough if you had a bad mom or if you had bad female influences. But don't let them rob you of your capacity to love women. I mean, I spend my days with two females, and it's glorious. And I love them both for everything that they bring to the table as individuals, as women. It's a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed and treasured, and, and I have a great life with regards to this. But you just have to find something that's beautiful about womanhood. And yes, there are lots of ugly women out there spiritually, emotionally, and there are lots of ugly men out there spiritually and emotionally. But who you will be with will be a mirror of how you regard them and yourself. I didn't want my mother to define femininity for me. I'd be a monk. <laughs> I don't want to let her rob me of the capacity for love. That would be to never grow up, to live the victim of child abuse for the rest of my natural life, and that would be a, a very sad thing. You just don't let, don't let evil win. Um, by your logic, wouldn't single moms also prepare their daughters to be unattractive? Yes, but they generally do that by training them into promiscuity, which makes them unattractive to quality men. Uh, uh, doesn't math work against us? A bad man can wreck lots of women, but a good man is only going to settle down with one. Yes, yes. Laugh out loud excuses. Let me just hack into DLive and increase the character limit. <laughs> oh, Nick, you really are addicted to these excuses. Now you're just snarky, and then you complain that you're not attractive to women. Well, it's going to happen, man. I now understand the criticism of you, says Nick. Oh, he's just trolling now, I guess. You basically deflect everything, and you don't want to respond to that. Then insult the person you're talking to. Oh, look at that. You managed to go from one message to another. Oh, look at that. You actually managed to break D-Live's character limit when you wanted to get mad at me. 
All right. Steph, you said we wouldn't be here if women get used. What? Please allow me to explain how humans get born. Oh, that's not what I said. Uh, all right. Well, listen, we've been going for close to three hours, um, and I hope there's more to talk about, but I really wanted to understand. Uh, I wanted you guys to understand this. Women deep down understand that it's, it's you know, their attractiveness is sand in an hourglass, right? It's just draining away over time. Women understand this, and they're lied to about it, and in the full glory of their in the full glory of their power, their sexual marketplace power when they're young, that shadow is lengthening uh, underneath the surface at all times. And, you know, the first wrinkles and the boobs begin to drop and, and the estrogen begins to flag and the FSH begins to mount. And, like, there's really, uh, it's a very, very tough time. And, you know, don't date women in their 30s unless you plan to get married. Like, just don't do it, man, because there will be someone there who will want to get married to them. And uh, don't, don't waste their time, man. I've, I've nagged men about this. Um, for, for quite some time. Yeah, don't, yeah, negative view of femininity, don't let the bad women define what womanhood is. Don't, that would be like, I don't know, um, Hitler defining what all Germans are, which I guess has kind of happened. But um, yeah, don't, uh, don't let the bad women, that's, that's an individual. It's not feminine. It's not female nature or anything like that. So, and, oh, that's funny. Nick is like, I supported you for years. It's a really disappointing experience. <laughs> Wait, so you've supported me for years, so I shouldn't be honest with you about what I think? And you've supported me for years, and you've never noticed that I'm pretty frank with people if I think that they have shortcomings, just as I want them to be frank with me. But anyway, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, somebody says, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, just don't let, don't let bad women define your view of women. Um, so uh, bad women want you to think that that's somehow femininity so that you never realize how bad they were. And then you take the badness in the bad women around you and you project it onto all these other women, which means that quality women will sense that resentment and hostility and will stay away from you. And it's a way for the bad woman to trap you and have you never outgrow her. Do not let that happen. Do not let that happen at all. Can you imagine how sad it would be if my wife was... If, <laughs> can you imagine how sad it would be if I couldn't be married to my wife because my mom was still running my emotions when I'm 54 years old? And I haven't spoken to her in a quarter century. If my mom was still running my emotions and I was still functionally eight years old and trapped in the house with a crazy, violent woman. Thanks, uh, Rocco. Thank you very much. Really appreciate these chats. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. Highlight of my week. I appreciate that. Great show. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how dare you run a live stream, says James, and not agree with my opinion. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for being real with your audience. We want nothing less. I'm surrounded by bad people. Change that. Uh, thank you, Steph. Your knowledge is truly life-saving. I appreciate that. Is there a grumbling stomach there in front of the mic? Uh, no. Uh, my wife made a wonderful meal before I ate, so I'm very happy with that. Your camera bobs up and down. Yeah, sorry. I've just kind of noticed that. Um, I need to put something under one of the legs of my, <laughs> my studio table. Sorry about that. Where's your other hand? What was it? A friend of mine used to say he thought it was something kind of funny. I never quite understood it. Only your left hand knows you're right-handed. <laughs> Something he said. Probably, uh, it probably was fun when he was stoned. Uh, all right. Amazing shows. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. If you would like to help out, I would certainly appreciate it. And thank you for that. And um, I will see you guys Friday on Podbean for my call-in show. And um, we'll keep this topic going. I really, really appreciate that. Lots of love from up here. And uh, take care, guys. I will talk to you soon.